Good afternoon, everyone. I'm 30 years old now. <laughs> I'm absolutely in the middle third of my life. This podcast is absolutely past its initial stages. Yes. I think it's fair, given that I never listen to these in the morning when I listen back through them. Um... I think it's been a good afternoon, and that's part of the reason this podcast hasn't been happening for a while, is that in the midst of there being a pandemic and a Cheeto in the White House and all the other things that were going on last year, um, my life's been mostly okay. It's been very steady. I already had a telecommuting job, which is why I do a podcast, and it, the people that I am sitting around this table with, who include Nicole hello, and Ryan, evening, were... Nice were already um, part of my routine before the pandemic, and that didn't change essentially at all during no, the pandemic. No, you could still, you guys are probably part of the, my only social routine still since the pandemic. Yeah, it's it been a weird time. We made the cut. Yeah, it turns out <laughs> none of us talked to anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and that sort of scene, and this is, you know, I, I, at many, many times over the last year, I was going to restart this podcast. Because I wanted to get it back onto a different gear. Because I, and I've complained about this even on the movie crew reviews, I'm pretty sure, um, that I don't like consumptive media. Like, right. I, I think it's <clears throat> cheating. I, it seems like a really easy way to get through things. When you have a weekly podcast and a Patreon and all that horse shit, like, you, it behooves you to have 55 minutes a week. So you fill that up with some sawdust. And that sawdust is telling people how you feel about things. Right. And... That's fine for those people. Some of those people... I will listen to Rob Zachney talk about literally anything, and he does, which is how I know that's not a lie. Like, right. that's not hyperbole. The man will talk about anything. There are a variety of people like that. And I didn't want to be one of them, because I don't plan on ever making money doing this. So Excellent. what did you want to be? What did you want out of this? I thought I wanted it to document failure, Nicole. Okay. And I was wrong, because yeah. failure is, in fact, as painful unnecessary and dumb generally as everyone thinks it is yeah. and actually that's one of the weird things about failure is that uh the fetishization of failure is so often done by successful people <laughs> um i find it to be quite unhelpful is this some sort of survivorship bias it's kind of okay i would guess <laughs> i guess that's the point i'm making there um, so yeah, the original premise of this podcast when it was called Actual Garbage was that. Mm -hmm. And then it gradually evolved into the Machination Log, which right. was an attempt to, you know, ease that concept a little bit so that we could talk about literally whatever. Right. We even, we literally had like a consumption and a production stream to this podcast. Yeah, yeah, you had while. like two different, two different channels. Yeah, there was a theme. And that was annoying to maintain, so I just stopped <laughs> doing it. Because um, to get back to the premise here... I only want to put out podcasts here that I enjoy listening to and producing. So I don't put out every podcast we make. Mm -hmm. And I almost went through all the podcasts. Uh, this was one of Are the. You start censoring. Well, it was one of the fifteen <laughs> ideas I had. Was that the the first podcast back was going to be a review, a short review of every podcast with a verdict of whether I was keeping it or not. I like it. I might I like still it. do it. Yeah, like a kangaroo court for shit podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Because there are several. Like I, I was either proud or at least satisfied with every podcast that I've put up, and I have a folder with a bunch of podcasts that will not go up because okay. they're just not—they're not good enough. Most right. of them are me talking because it feels a little gauche. 
It takes. I mean, you got to be Bill Burr to really fill the room by yourself. Like yeah. it's. It yeah. takes a special type. And I recognize when I'm not <laughs> succeeding, <laughs> and I, I cut that off. Like I'm. That I can bingo do that. one was a winner. There's. There's a cut. And this is the problem: is right. that I can't judge this anymore. Okay. Which okay. is what killed that idea, because I thought about removing. All of the introverts episodes because at varying points over the last year I fucking hated all of them because my writing style has improved in a way that makes those hard to listen to like if I were to rewrite the bingo thing right now hundred edits all right easy but but at some point right like it, they're not for you right like is it, are are they oh. see this is this is the fucking crazy thing okay like, what is like it's not called the David Paddock podcast. That was also a deliberate choice because right. that sounds mega. It's like people who have their last name as their company. Oh name. no, there's certain people like that um, that yeah. I've run into. They're like, yeah, and we can start the Wiedemann Paddock Nursery. And I was like, I would never name a business that. Are you insane? What? Now leave my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I know the level of narcissism. Like I'm clearly narcissistic. I I have a podcast. For yourself. I, yeah, I have a podcast for me that I pretend is for other people. <laughs> like we were just arguing. Well, thanks for thanks for the welcome back message, <laughs> no, David. Absolutely. Uh, glad to be back, yeah, everyone. And, and with all of these um, with all these caveats in place and apologies, et cetera, et cetera, what's the first thing that's going to bring us back to the table? Consumption podcast. Excellent. We're getting the movie crew back together. Uh, I mean, we've been here. The podcast yeah, has we it. We, we, <laughs> we've threatened to do like... 10, 12 reviews. Oh, yes. Over the last. We've, we've, watched, watched, some, some, we've watched some bad movies. Yeah. We watched, have. Watched some good movies. We watched some good movies. A yeah. couple of them. Absolutely. And now we're here. We're here, corona free, on a night in the full moon of a glorious Florida winter. It does look pretty full moon right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. It is. It's like 45 degrees right now, yeah. which is frankly unprecedented. Well, and you're still wearing shorts. I am. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I still only wear. I only own one pair of pants. Okay, and I ain't taking them out tonight. It's in the wash. <laughs> <laughs> For reasons that, again, we'll get to at some point. I'm sure once we get this thing going again. <laughs> he just needs a four-page essay about it that he won't release. I, I won't. All right, good. I have, I have so many of those stupid little essays now. Um. So and I, I would say, but enough about that. But that's what this podcast is about. Right, is about false starts. Great, it's not about failure. Yeah, it's you've a, got a lot of false starts. It's, you, it, are, that that seems to be your thing. It, it's it's about my like risk. It's basically the risk aversion podcast. <laughs> 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 I take extremely small, calculated risks all the time, and everyone thinks I'm crazy because I take these minuscule little risks. Right. And for whatever reason, those just aggregate in the ether to mm -hmm. me being an eccentric human being. Um, and I guess they're right, because, I don't know, someone else has to judge that. If the podcast is for them. Well, if the podcast comes out and they can hear it. Or that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're only getting the sliver that I put out. I'm way crazier <laughs> on the stuff I don't release. Um, 
I don't want to get right into the movie because there is a lot of context that would be nice to set up over the last um, the last year. It is January 28th right now, which oh, wow. means that um, Biden was assassinated and replaced <laughs> and replaced with a clone less than nine days ago. Yeah, yeah. and my, my brain has melted since the last year that we podcast because I started paying attention to what's going on. And oh, I'm Jesus Christ. I know, and I'm I'm ready to end the corporate state of America and return us to the original Constitution. Yeah, I've gone. Yeah, I've also been fully, <laughs> fully, like blue pilled since yes. the last time we've talked. I think I've been taking I all think, the pills. I think it finally worked. Yeah, I've been taking all the pills. <laughs> yeah, I, I munch I've them every so day. So many pills. Yeah. I'm not black pilled yet, but uh, there's some other ones. Well, in that's there. the problem when you take so many multicolored pills; they all merge into a because black, e- dude. Black it's all, all about equality. Yeah. It's all about equality. <laughs> But we've been good. We're just, uh, look, the movie crew still corona free. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what that's we're what doing... an introverted lifestyle gets you. Well, we we just know how to pandemic. We're just better at it than other people, and I'm I'm okay in admitting that. Like, cause that's what, I mean. I, look, I've always felt like an outsider on this podcast because for someone who's literally never failed in his life, you know, <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> It's hard to understand. I, you know, I, I've always felt like David Bowie in a 1970s movie. You know, like why, why am I here? What am I doing? Can I play the guitar? And you know, like the answer to all those questions are no. And what were the other two questions? But I am happy to be back. You know, this has been a long time, um, and we're here to talk about movies at some point. And I, and, and and let's do it at some point. But it is, guys. We're back. I know. It's, I know. It feels good to discourse. Oh, man. You know, I, I, I felt lonely without a microphone six inches from my face. And uh, now, I've, now I feel comfortable again. Just felt weird to not, you know, thoroughly discuss every movie I've watched. And I've, you know, I don't know if you guys have, but I've watched a lot of movies without you, too. And it's... That's a fan, Yeah. It just, it, like, it feels like, what's the purpose if there's <laughs> no one to talk about it with? The, that that's another thing that just I I don't I don't need to talk about that myself I feel like that's more important to talk about with multiple people is how much despite the fact that this is an aggressively not-for-profit corporation we got going on right here uh, machination LLC has corrupted even this bit of leisure by making it feel like I have this pressure to perform in a capitalist system, even though I'm not making money on it and I don't advertise it, and I don't even know how many people actually listen to this. Oh, see, I, I just look at it like it's it's just like a fancy play date. Yeah, this is my volunteerism to the world, right? Like I could be at a soup kitchen right now, or you know, like clothing the homeless. I, yeah, but I instead, fe- I'm here, you know, talking. <laughs> I feel like those would be good things. Level of discourse about film. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're doing this. We're like the West Wing, for, but in real life, you know? Like, we're just raising the level of discourse around film. We're not the, no, not the West Wing. But I, I, do, <laughs> I do want to say... Um, no, uh, my point was, uh, if I've ever had one, was that, right, like, I think what's, it, what's, what is strange about this is that, you know, having gone a year without... More than longer than a year, I think, without podcasting about films. The jokes all went through. Didn't do one on January. Didn't do one December sixteenth. Yeah. Didn't like pretend to skip twenty twenty. We had right. so many opportunities. This is the most bullshit time we could possibly choose for this. Yeah, people it's just can't a even over can't, a year. people can't even pull numerology conspiracies out of this like opening date. Oh man, I hope not. I I'd never underestimate the power of the four chan, but like the. That there, I will say that there's a tethering effect to you know the, the the podcasting right like it because we've we mean we watched a lot of movies and we've like yelled at each other about a bunch of movies in the last year you know as we're like 
like leaving, you know, like this was a great movie. It fucking sucked. All right. You know, I'll see you next week, you know, but now that we're here with the microphones, right? Like we've got to, got to be considered. We have to sit down, you know, we have to like actually get through this. And this is, you know, like this is what's unique, right? Like that, like the tethering together uh, that we've not experienced in a, in a year or so. And, you know, no, there's nothing. There's a reason the proliferation yeah, I of podcasts. Like the structure of just doing the fucking podcast. I think that's what I miss the most. Well, but it's it's strange that I think for like the regular populace too, like the joke that like everyone quote unquote has a podcast now is that there is this like tethering quality to the idea that you have to get together and like intentionally try to yeah. say something or say nothing in a very specific way. And uh, I've you know we've caught the bug. I mean, we've, look, we've been in this game. We're OG. You know, yeah, in the been, second generation, yeah. uh, third, it for five tenant. years. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's been a while. And it's. I think Birdman was popular when we started. I know. Like, that's a long time ago. Absolutely. Michael Keaton, still relevant, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, come on. And it was. But, uh, but it's, uh, you know, only coming back to it now, right? Like, uh, I, I don't know if you re- recorded when I said this, right? But uh, there, you know, like, I was nervous, you know? Like, I got a little, I got a little jitters. I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, like a virgin, and again, and it was, uh, it was unique. It was interesting, coming back to it. I thought you said you podcasted for someone else last week. I didn't say that. I didn't <laughs> on the record. <laughs> I mean, I did, and it was over Discord on a video chat. Oh, it was very, okay, okay. I feel, uh, I feel but that. it was. Um, but I, you know, like I, I, I felt a little wilder there, you know, cause it was with strangers, like, cause us, right. Like we've got like a rapport and a history and everything, but with strangers, you know, like, I mean, I really like, I really let it fly, you know, like I thought, you know, like I'm not going to be responsible, <laughs> like, you know, anything like that. Like, come on. I don't even know what that means. I don't know. I don't know what responsibility here entails. Like well, what, yeah, what but kind I, of disrespect were you throwing? No, it was. I mean, you didn't go go on like and start spreading conservative ideas or anything. No, I, 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 really, I literally can't. I like yeah. I try to the words come out, you know, and they don't, and I can't form them, you know. But no, it was, um, it was a you know leftist podcast. I re, I remained a you know they knew my first name and we were there for a specific purpose, but at the same time, you know, like I wanted to you know, inject some levity and some seriousness to the whole situation because like there is one problem of podcasting and it is, you know, an overabundance of self seriousness. And that's what, you know, at some point you've got to like, you got to like, got to let that shit go. I don't know which podcast you're listening to, but uh, I don't, uh, I don't run into that problem. Well, we listen to good podcasts. That's why, right? I guess. Yeah. Shit. I hope so. I, I mean, what, I, I don't want to accidentally out us as a leftist podcast, but we're talking <laughs> Chapo, Asian Napoleon, True Anon. Um, what are the other good I ones? I listened going to on? QAA and Knowledge Fight. Yeah, the Kush vlog, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and also, <laughs> well, I'll wait till we, we get into the movie to talk about one other podcast. Ooh. It's a totally left turn for me. That's, yeah. Well, that's a dangerous hook because now we have to make the decision. Do we just release this, or do we actually review a movie right now? Because we still have the option to just totally... Just walk away. Yeah, we can just walk away from this and not do MCR, what, 67, I think it is? Oh, my God. I didn't realize we had done that many. 67, two-thirds of the way to a number. Oh, man, we should get to 100. We we were were on our way to doing it. I I mean, yeah. Speed Racer was 50. Seagal oh. was 63, I want to say. Wow. I didn't name that one, so it's harder to tell. Um, yeah. And 
my podcast app does not appreciate that I didn't give that one a title. Yeah. But I thought it was funnier because Steve Seagal in the picture is just fingering a pistol while looking at a woman, which is a beautiful picture. <laughs> it just looks great in the frame on the website. What do they call it when it's not like in the um, in the mythos of like a like the mar? Canon. Yeah, it's not oh, canon. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, not canon. canon. Yeah, the Seagal episode won't be won't be movie crew canon, I think. Oh, no, right. and it is it is one of the more hateful episodes. It must fuck be that said. guy. Fuck that yeah. guy. No, I didn't say actually. Just I want to, but like, we'll give actually as we're giving po- podcast shout outs. If we hadn't done the Seagal series, I wouldn't have found Behind the Bastards, and that has okay. been a great podcast we go. for me as well. Absolutely, that's one of the cool things about investigating shit. Yeah, is that, and this is why it's good to review bad movies and to like even just investigate investigate things that you find otherwise uninteresting because you have the option i mean the least interesting part of every review is how you actually feel about the thing like that's not that's not important no one cares fuck you what's cool is all the stuff behind it like Mm -hmm. and we're gonna get into that with this movie if we choose to go forward with it Mm -hmm. because um, Ryan, I don't know where it ranks in your set of movies, but this movie is probably a top 10 for me. I'd say definitely top 10 the last 10 years. I, I, easy. Easy for that, which puts it in a good running, I think. Um, Film buff over here. Yeah, no, I, this is this movie... It, <sighs> well, you're tricking me into talking about this thing. I was gonna, All right, was, never no, mind. Yeah, no, I was thinking about... All right, let's so, make this a democratic dictatorship. Are we going to talk about this film or not? Okay, go for Ryan's it. Ryan's got the thumbs up. Go for it. I, I, uh, I didn't do a deep dive on this, so but that's, you know, that's fair. But the, I know you guys there are, are so very impacted by it. I feel like nerding out on. Yeah. Okay, and this one also isn't one of them. But <laughs> I got really. Then why are we here? But I got really close. I fucking God, I can't. I can't. So this I love, I love this movie, Ryan. What are we reviewing? Tinker today? Taylor Soldier Spy. This movie is so good. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, not the miniseries from the eighties. Though no. that is also good. Quite good. Quite qu- no, no quibbles, no qualms. But the two thousand something, thirteen ish, fourteen ish movie. There, yeah. yeah, unique. Again, a total nerd decade. out. We yeah, know bef- all the deets, you guys. Before we get to the movie too, right? Like this was David and I. Uh, have, I've known David for a long time, um, but we saw this movie in the theater together when it came out. In 2011. 2011. And this was really um, the ushering in of a of, of the current phase of our uh, very deep friendship. And um, I, I remember dis- distinctly going to see this movie with you because I hadn't seen you for a long period of time. I'd, um, I'd moved away from Central Florida in 2006 and spent some time away and wasn't really close to... Um, uh, the, the rest of Nicole's family during that time period, and it was like David. He's old. He's cool now. You know, like he's back from Gainesville, and um, I'm like, well, let's 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 check him out. Let's see what he's all about. And it's like, all right, cool. Let's go see a movie. And one thing I noticed about you, and remember distinctly, is that I've always been a tall gentleman. You're you're uh, taller and larger than me uh, as uh, as a result, and um, always been tall. And what I noticed distinctly, uh, having really spent some formative time with you for a long, long period of time was how fucking fast you walked. Like, just bolting, just like, and like, I'm like jogging to keep up as we're going to see this movie that I have no real clue about or anything like that. And I remember watching it and being very, very impressed at the time and then leaving the theater and having to like 
pull a hamstring as I'm trying to keep up with David as we leave it. And um, and I never looked back. We've, we've never looked back after no, this. Yeah, did you guys all. move in together after Shortly that? afterwards, yeah. I moved yeah, in. that actually yeah. literally happened. Yeah. I thought you were joking there for a second, and then I remembered, yeah, that totally occurred. Yeah, very quickly, yeah. yeah. It's like, hey, I like hanging out with you, and you're easy to get along with. Like, you want to live together and, like, make it easy for each other? And like, yeah. Because that's really weird, right? Like, it, I think one, one of the strange things was was that, you know, sometimes friendships you have and, you know, they are good when you are around each other temporarily, right? Because, like, sometimes things can get daunting if too much time is spent around each other. But, like, for us, right? Like, I think we have made things easier on each other to a certain extent. If, yeah. Yeah, when we live together. I would together. say so. Yeah. I mean, you have... We both share a total disdain for bullshit in mm -hmm. a way that, like, a lot of people talk about, like, being true to themselves, mm -hmm. and they don't, like, mean that at all. Like, <laughs> there's a reason not. why there's that's a mantra is because no one is actually that way. Right. Um, but we're both extremely direct people. Yes. Um, and that helps a lot. Absolutely. Because that, that, that means you can basically just get through whatever the fuck is going on. Yes. Because there's, like, zero tolerance for the the veneer of society at least within the house and yes. in the movie theater i remember watching this movie distinctly because this movie cemented a concept that we credit to wes anderson now a lot but in the movie theater i was thinking basically the entire time i was watching this film how much i was going to enjoy it the second time i watched yeah. it <laughs> Because this movie, this movie, but I'm almost too. Because you don't know where you're going to end up till you get to the end, and then you're like, "Oh, I want to see how we got there." Now that I know how we got there, mm -hmm. you without subtitles, this movie is impenetrable. It's the first time through. Like you don't know the characters, you don't know who. Like there are so many instances where they will zoom in on someone or something, and you have no idea why they're doing that. Yep. It's it's literally it's for your next watch. It's yep. for the yeah. second time you do this, and it's funny that movies haven't actually gained this reputation because people will binge Netflix shows that are eight or twelve or fifty hours long, but they won't watch a movie twice. Yep, and yeah. that's crazy because well, then there's I guess now that you mentioned, I mean I like watching movies <laughs> twice because I always assume there's stuff that I miss, so I don't feel like I've really seen a movie till I've seen it twice but i mean remember the first time i experienced that was when i was like 12 and watched like the usual suspects like you get to the end of the movie and you're so excited to like <laughs> get back and rewatch. oh it. my god yeah like, you know because you're just like oh man how did they like put the, that together yeah it's the that's the perfect primer for it's yeah. like hey stupid you no, should watch gimmick, this movie again no, the gimmick is literally to get you to do that yeah, and was, i and i found it very effective it's it was like all, a preteen it was all right in front of your eyes yeah. like you didn't see it coming in yeah no this one this one you don't stand a chance until the rewatch no absolutely you don't you you don't have a prayer i mean brian you had <laughs> the barometer for this movie whether it was a good spy movie i <laughs> so you asked my mom yeah. who the bad guy was yes. and she didn't, she didn't know, know who the bad guy was yeah. <laughs> and that is what greater honor could you bestow upon that's a spy movie a like spy come on <laughs> I mean the the reveal is incredibly understated yep like you don't really have to know and uh, so just to, just to like warn the listeners, right? Like I did a I did a deep dive into the spy film genre for this for the movie, you know, like because because I love this movie so much, you know, like I I was like, where does this fit in, you know, like what are spy movies, right? Like who cares, you know? And <laughs> so, I, like, so I like went into a I went into a deep dive into the genre because yeah, we did watch a pre movie to this too. 
And David and I catched yeah, a couple of yeah, we, a couple we as well. Yeah, we did a couple. Um, did you guys watch the Osterman weekend? No, we did. Oh, um, okay. We did a Bond and we, a we um, two movies that I think we could actually do podcasts on. Sure, uh, Quantum of Solace. Yep. Which I think I'll on rewatch. I was afraid. Okay. Okay. Let me. Can I? Sure. Okay. I know that's not the uh, the one with the card game. Is that the one that has the water in yes. South America? Okay. Yes. So I quit giving a shit about spy movies after watching that for the most feminist reason I've ever had for anything in my life. Oh, do tell. Yeah. Unless you want to save it for the Well, review. I don't, I mean, no. I'm. If, She's not watching that shit again. Which one? The Quantum of Solace. Yeah, I, like, I don't know if I need to do Lay that on one us, again. But yeah, like, I was like, like, not only, you know, and this will all come around if we really talk into the spies where you were getting to. Oh, but I'm, like, I'm bringing it up. The, yeah, like, the, the, because we haven't gotten into the personality of the spy yet, which is really a component of this. But, like, if you sleep with James Bond, <laughs> you will not only die, you will be tortured horribly right. until then. At which point, like, why would you go anywhere? You're a fucking spy. Yeah. Like, what? Why would you fucking even do? Do you hate yourself? Yes. Oh. And then I was like, yeah, like, this is... That's and that's why I was terrified because when I watched Quantum of Solace, I watched it in the theater, mm -hmm. and I remember adoring that movie. Mm -hmm. And on rewatch, what's funny? I loved the first one, and I fucking never wanted to watch a spy movie after the second. They had Javier Bardem with that bullshit. That was in Skyfall. Okay, that okay, that's sucks. a whole other rant. Yes, I'll save yes, that yes. for another time. Okay. No, Matthew Al <laughs> Matthew Almerick is the uh, is the okay, pissant okay. The Frenchman. The Javier Bardem character, I have a whole rant oh, on no, too, he, but we'll save that for for when we discuss gay issues in movies. Yeah, need not apply. Yeah, the, uh, but no, Quantum of Solace watched it again, and it it affirmed it was it gave me the same warm feeling that the other one uh, the other time I watched it that it did. Because that movie is, in the same way that The Last Jedi is a deconstruction of Star Wars, except okay. way more successful than that movie is, that um, Quantum of Solace is, I mean, and this is perfect with your, your point, Nicole, James Bond's life fucking sucks. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's dangerous. Like, not only does he, can he not be, is he not close to anyone? Anyone who is stupid enough to get close to him? Like, like, why would you fucking do that? Well, it, and he he must be such an anomaly, right? Because there just must be just this this trail of like hundreds of bodies. If yeah. actual spy work was like what James Bond went through, right? Like, there'd just be. He, he, I mean, he's a serial killer, yeah. you know. Uh, you know, well, just first by the hardest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he, <laughs> but. That joke plays real nice in that series. So. And, oh yeah, and you know Bond is um, emblematic of the the first of the of the categories of spy movies, which is the super spy movie, right? Okay. Like this is the this is the genre of spy movies where they are hyper competent. They are um, usually you know great improvisers. They are you know, and it is really right like like spy movie um, as action movie, right? Because it allows someone to display... Oh, the these. action is great. I love the opening, um, like uh, like just the opening chase sequences in the new Bonds. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah. 
like I love like just they're always in somewhere exotic and they're excellent chase scenes. Yeah, the um, Quantum of Solace had a really great yeah. fight scene in the dila- in the in the scaffolding of the dilapidated, you know, of the of the cathedral yeah. in the opening. Mm-hmm. It was, it, that is and the what was particularly and, impressive was the like the physics behind it because as they're like yeah, I remember tracing sick, around and when he and, like and falls on those yep. ropes and stuff, like yeah. that was I mean amazing uh like technical like choreo- like the action choreography yeah i was i felt exhilarated you know like all like all great action scenes right like you get a little exhilaration you know like you know you're i remember like in the theater going like yeah like (laughs) at at a couple points i mean they're they're, yeah very well choreographed uh chase sequences right like why you go to bond movies right like you know attractive women um attractive men uh, and action right like and and, and cars Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's the thing. But that takes away from what like spies really are, which is what we had discussed. Like, does this go back to Graham Greene that they're they're just like pathological liars with like no souls? Like, who started that that spy? I think that's an I think that's an own goal. I want to say okay. I don't think they had to write that in. Yeah, um, based on what I know of the OSS, which is where that kind of spy comes from. It's okay. funny that James Bond has the same pedigree. Uh, who wrote the James Bond films? Why am I blanking on this? Um, Ian something. Ian, Mc- Ian Fleming? Fleming, Fle- great. Yeah. Fleming. Sure. Um, him and <laughs> Le Carre are talking about the same spies. Okay. Um, the guy who wrote Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and that series of uh, Smiley's People's books. Um, they're writing about the same guy. They're just doing it at different levels of glamour. Yep. Which, Ryan, I assume that segues with you were talking about the super spy yeah there are no super spies in this movie yeah no it, because it be, right so then right, the second major component I'll, I'll just get i'll skip through the three right so the super spy movie is primarily the one there's no reason to deal with the other major type which is the accidental spy movie okay so, that's like um, hitchcockian the, tor- yeah, sort the, of thing the classic hitchcock yeah. trope of you know too much and now you're involved in some you know involved in the world um just for the typology thing as well this involves the classic um, dual chase <laughs> where being, you know, you're, you're usually implicated in something, which means the... Because pol- here's the thing, right? Like, if you were being ch- chased through your home country by foreign spies, you just go to the police and say, our enemies are trying to kill me. And they'd be like, fine. But the problem is, is that they think you killed your girlfriend. So you can't go to the police. So, right, so the, the, the dual chase is in these accidental spy movies is... You're being chased by the police while being chased by the foreign spies. For things that you didn't do yes. or accidentally came across. And obviously, right, there is some bleed over in these typologies, right? Like, it is great. You can get some great action sequences, and usually the accidental spy must be, you know, surprisingly proficient at a wide range of physical attributes in order to survive their ordeal. Ethan Hunt is disavowed yes. by his organization exactly. literally every movie. Yes, <laughs> and he is. This is the classic mashup of yeah. the super spy you know accidental spy trope that goes through that and they're great like don't get me wrong like fine good stuff but you gotta land in one camp or the other so this third type right like that fits into the the Graham Greene Our Man in Havana um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy takes a dimmer view of let's be frank a genre about people who lie yeah, these are Forever. despicable people. Yes. yes. Right? Like deception at a at a at a fundamental level is what spying is yes. about. Yes. 
And so Graham Greene, right, like comes around, like you know, we've already done. I think do we, I don't know if we did the Third Man, but we definitely watched it as a group. Maybe one of those pandemic that was, views. That was the first COVID viewing we did. Yeah, we, we tried to. Out. Yeah, we tried to do yep. that like remotely. Watching movies as a group remotely sucks. Sorry, yeah, pandemic. Oh, fuck that shit. Wear a mask. You cunts. Holy shit. So the uh, but Graham Greene, right? Like I think also the uh, just to raise you know why not you know leftism. Um, <laughs> you know he comes out of uh, you know uh, as a British man. You know, critical of colonialism. Yeah, and a lot of his works kind of like you know are around this idea of you know racism, colonialism. You know, this dynamic between the you know class system within British society. A lot of that runs through his work as well. And per, to be frank, it makes it really, really fucking good. And Le Carre kind of balances out these elements, but I think ultimately it's he and Graham Greene represent a great critique in this last genre of spy movies, which is what I would call like system spy movies, right? Like. They're not, they're not action heroes. They're not like, you know, like, like a fucking bookseller who gets, you know, surprised as a spy, right? Like, no, these are usually about the profession of spying and the effect the on The bureaucracy of spying. Yeah, exactly. And the effect of on a person, right? Like, what, what does spying do to a person, I think, is what a lot of these system spy movies are about. And once again, right, like... Doesn't mean they can't bleed into other genres. Skyfall is a great example of the super spy movie, which asks the question, right? Like, what does being James Bond do to a human being? And it turns out it fucks you up. Yeah, you're up. a horrible person. <laughs> like, it fucks you up. You lose all your friends and girlfriends, and you can't sleep, and there's no resolution, and you never get the bad guy. It's just fucking just over and over and over again. Absolutely. And and it raises right the problem, right? Like, like what does it mean to lie? And can it, could you ever stop? And that's what a weird idea, right? Like it is, you know, we've all lied before, right? But like the, the, the scale of lies, the, the import of lying is so much, is, is so heightened in spying and in spy movies. And I, I, it's well, part of the reason I like the, I like the genre because and it's of that. So like lying can be so damaging, which, which we're seeing in our regular news cycle Absolutely. here as we, you know, propel election and, dishonesty. And, and that's, Partially for the same reason, I mean, the, the counterintelligence community exists because there's an intelligence community. Mm -hmm. And this is the, uh, Nicole, I assume you are referring to uh, the uh, conspiracy theory uh, zenith that we have currently hit, the bumper crop yes. of people connecting dots. Yeah, oh man. And, and the thing is, the, you, the only reason... Now everybody thinks they're a fucking secret spy Absolutely. for the deep state <laughs> but the and the it's only, a problem yes. the only reason you need disinformation <laughs> is because you're trying to protect information I, but this, the thing is that's assuming that that's a good way to run things and I'm not convinced it is like sorry KGB Russia this is and this is the perfect platform yes. to start talking about this movie <laughs> because Tinker Taylor is so firmly a third film like yes. everyone in this movie has been doing spying no, these Since people and these people are convinced that yeah, like you've got to fucking lie to everyone and only your need to know people know this and nobody knows the whole story and stuff. And, and this, I'm this not, is the way they've been operating. I know and forever. And, and I'm not convinced that it's the greatest way to to fucking run things. But also, <laughs> the British is on their fucking last legs, and so are we. So what do I know? But it. But what is so striking is that like. There's not like you know like a truth zone, right? Like so one of the one of the crazy good things. Okay, I don't know why. Okay, bear with me. So, <laughs> so one of the 
first off, this movie is so fucking good. God, it so, is very. It's just like it's just like an enjoyable do, journey. Do wanna, and watch it on a rainy day. Like wake up when you've nothing to do on a rainy fucking morning. Really, and put it on. It just like matches moods so. Be great. The best mood to watch this movie is when you're like lying in bed and like totally awake and and okay with that. Yeah, but, but it's you don't like raining. Get up. You don't want to get up. Yeah, you don't yeah. get up. But you're awake. Yeah, and you're like I'm not. Go- I don't like so. Okay, let's. Uh, so, Do we want to get into it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> is there anything else we want to establish? I feel like the leitmotif of they they've been fucking they've been doing this for 12, 15 years, and this is where it got them to. Yes, like Bond. You know, kills everything he touches. Like I feel like that's a good foundation yeah. to approach this. Film like with. once again, we've 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 polished it into you know to where it's beautiful. Let's get into the movie. So Tinker, you Tinker weren't Taylor, followed. Soldier spy. No, I wasn't followed. No. Better come in. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, John Hurt and and Mark Strong open us up, and you know we're revealed to the fact that like it turns out that these people who lie for a living, surprise surprise, might have somebody lying to them in their midst. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody that Somebody works on them might, might be dishonest. Fuck. Can yeah. you imagine? Yeah. And that's okay. So the, 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 the movie literally opens with a, a decrepit old man. There's some bleak backdrops. Staring past one of his only friends in the world. Yes. Because he's going to ask him whether he was followed, but he doesn't even trust him. Yeah. He's literally looking behind him. He just opened the door to his flat. Yeah. And he's just giving him a little glance. <laughs> just like pat. Because Control, played by John Hurt. John Hurt, yes. Just doesn't... He doesn't know what to believe anymore. Mm-hmm. Who does? He's Who so does? dead. Yep. He's so dead. Um, and he sends Jim, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Preto, uh, one of the only people he actually trusts, one of the only people who doesn't have a chess piece... Uh, sitting in his room mm-hmm. with his name, yes, with, his, with his picture sellotaped <laughs> to the to the chess piece, oh. sends him to Hungary because apparently someone's willing to give up the goods. Someone's going to tell Control who the bad guy in his inner circle, the people, like the people it. on the top floor at the top of the circus. Oh, so good. Oh yeah. Such a beautiful name, and just just a, a quick point of movie making ethos here. Like it's never like referred to the fact that the circus refers to the British spying agency. They're just like <laughs> it's the circus fucking adapt normies. You know, like, it, yeah, get, like pay it, the fuck attention. Not once do they say MI five. Yep, they nope. don't. They don't talk about. Well, any I mean, of that just stuff. by the the fucking tour de force of Anglophile actors in here, you have to assume it has something to do with Britain. Yeah. Good God, there's a lot of British men in this movie. They got huh. most of them. The only one they don't have is no, Jeffrey Michael Rush. Gambon. Yeah. Or Michael Gambon. <laughs> no, okay. So he, so he sends him around, right? And then you know where we get the 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 was it titular? The, where we get the title from is, you know, he uh, through this mechanism says like there's a sp- there's a mole. It's one of I know it's one of these people, and presents the chess pieces of who it can be, and he gives them code names, right? Like when you meet this. This this turn code is going to reveal the mole, the uh, the spy at the top of the circus, right? Like, well, you know, we've got these chess pieces here. You're going to tell me if it's one of these people. Tinker, tailor, soldier. We won't use rich man or poor man for reasons, but spy, right? And that <laughs> yep. then becomes the 
that you know what drives us forward. And so you know, like a good soldier, he goes to Hungary. Um, we get some walking around because apparently that's a big part of being a spy is walking around. Oh, yeah. um, there's a tense little scene in a beautiful little alcove diner with inside of yeah, a it's building. like in a little cafe, oh, like that's like in kind of like an alleyway because it's not car traffic; it's just foot traffic and cobblestone. It might be foot or car traffic. We don't know because everyone in the scene is an actor. Yes, <laughs> and that's the- yeah, because it's a huge false flag and everybody everyone's a crisis actor yeah, in it. this be a setup yeah and and it's it's just funny because the setup it, you don't know what the vibe of the movie is going to be yet because the movie's been going for like two minutes and 30 seconds so you can't be sure yep. that like everyone around you is acting strange but it sure feels like it yeah. well it doesn't they they do spend a lot of time on the waiter being excessively sweaty yes sweaty and Jim's just literally he just looks around and every person he looks at either looks at him or he's extremely intently they, doing the thing they're doing. Yeah and they're all like very strategically placed like you said because there's not like a lot of foot or car traffic on yep. whatever this particular like you know way is where this cafe is mm-hmm. yeah, but there's a the, lot of tension the, yes. liaise, the liaison even has this incredible like obviously rehearsed joke mm-hmm. where he can't get pork colts anymore yeah. in Hungary because <laughs> all the pigs have gone to Moscow and they both laugh and stop laughing at the, the same, same time, time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fucked it's one of the 25 best scenes in the film uh, Jim decides that this is um, not going well so uh, he stands up yep um, in one of the best uh, sound sync checks yep. in film history, his chair bounces onto the pavement and he leaves his bag. He yeah. stands up, he's gone. He yep. just leaves. And um, the waiter panics, runs out and shoots him. And then a Russian man, an extremely Russian guy with headphones on, takes his headphones off. It's like, you idiots! Stay in your position! The guy shoots him again, and they just, they put him in a van, and uh, that's that's the end of the scene. It's just just over, and then uh, control. Fallout, yeah, like the fallout from this. Yeah, we're like, what's the fallout from Hungary, man? Uh, Turns out, control, um, who by the way signs his name with a cursive C. They just yes. sign this sign this resi- resignation form. Yes, see. Oh man, being the upper class has to be the best. Oh, and he says, "Well, man, should know when to leave the party." And uh, the 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 group, right? This this group of potential moles, right? Because all of them are the leadership of the of the circus, but we know one of them must be a mole. Uh, someone inquires, right? Well, you obviously have a good one. Control. Um, what about Smiley? And he says, "Smiley's leaving with me." And this is clearly. And it's one of those little subtle things, but it's clearly the first time that Smiley has heard this information that he's, in fact, leaving the circus. And uh, Smiley, we are introduced to, uh, is, of course, played by Gary Oldman. Oh, and he will glasses, be the main yes, and that will, face. We'll spend a lot of time with it throughout yep. this that, movie. Uh, there's, a, there's an idea that I've mentioned a handful of times on this podcast about the, uh, the Hitchcock break in cinema, mm-hmm. where it went from being alive and stage-like to being frozen and turgid. Mm-hmm. And this movie is absolutely loaded with these turgid <laughs> scenes of Gary Oldman's face revealing oh, yeah. just... Gary Oldman does not talk that much in no. this movie. No, he doesn't. And in fact, almost every time he does, he's doing it to be smart. Like, yep. he's doing it to be, like, snarky at people. Otherwise, you only get his expressions to tell what he's actually and it, doing. And his eyes are, like, reflected in these huge, thick glasses, too. So it's yeah. the, it just the whole the whole look is... Well, we haven't even talked about, you know, the the reason I said watch this on a rainy day is that, like, 
this movie is so overcast, just like by design. Yeah. Like the interiors are overcast, the exteriors are overcast. This is like just a gray, hazy movie. Mm-hmm. And that that does factor, I, I think that that aesthetic choice, aside from making perfect sense, because it's in Britain for the most part, yes. is also just, you know, it, it, it fits into the... Um, it fits into the leitmotif of this film, which is the degree to which the British Secret Service is just contaminated oh, yeah. with mm-hmm. with their job. Like, their job has completely destroyed any, re- any reason, frankly, for them to be there. Yeah, and, um, what, and like, what, what are they really contributing at this point anyways in the Cold War, right? Or is, <laughs> that, a, is that a deeper issue for another career no. day? No, well, it, it's brought up, right? I think, like, so... When you know Smiley leaves the circus, we are given a great. Well, yeah, he leaves with great, control, like yeah. to go research this mole thing, like like on his own. So it's not under the circus auspices. So yeah, he, before, but before he gets that, the credit sequence goes through, and this this was the the point at which it became immediately clear I needed to watch the movie twice. Like nothing had <laughs> happened yet, and I already knew that this this credit sequence, which is about five minutes long. It feels shorter every time you watch it, yes. because it becomes more detail laden every time <laughs> you understand what's going on in it more. Yeah, there's there's essentially it's like two tracks, right? Like one is like a almost like a document's eye view of the circus, and then the other is kind of like you know progressing Smiley's quote unquote retirement from yeah. the circus and controls eventual death, which you know, s- spoiler alert for the first seven minutes of the he fucking movie, but you know, like, yeah, like, but you know, anyway, but you know, like we're we're you know we're shown you know George's you know George's life essentially in the in the opening sequence, and also right like I think what's what's really great about like the opening sequence is it it takes you through the circus, like I said, as a document's point of view, right, but also you know what becomes pertinent later in the story is like moving up through the floors right right like the, the further you advance through the floors right the the higher and higher the stakes get the higher and higher the the leadership uh you know the your station within rises yeah supposedly the, the higher up you are the more you actually know because yes. you know everybody the more you have to lie. yeah <laughs> uh, everybody only knows parts and only very few people at the top know the whole story if that kind of and those people all have to be in there we didn't even we we would be remiss not to mention the orange-clad, damped trailers mm-hmm. that line the fifth floor of the circus. Oh, yes, the truth zones, right? So that's what I was talking about, right? Like, you'd imagine being a spy, right? Like, you'd want, like, some, like, some free-range truth area, right? Where we could all get together and, like, be honest with each other. But no, right? We're always fucking lying to each other, right? Like, there, there is no reprieve from deception in this line of work. and yeah. Even in that, the podcast studios on the fifth floor. <laughs> yeah, that must be fucking exhausting like like keeping it all in your head you know like like because it's not merely right like it's not you're not worried about telling someone the truth you're worried about lying in the wrong way that reveals the fact that you're te- that you're that you're lying, right? Like you're, you're worried about ry- lying, lying about this. Yes, and the thing is, exactly. you still have to be threading the needle because there's always like a you know there's always like an end goal of the truth, quote unquote, that you're trying to promote. So you always have to be making sure you're threading your disinformation to reach the truth that you want to perceive and that's that's fucking exhausting as q people are realizing and alex jones right now all right so i played <laughs> i played a lot of like amateur poker and i i wasn't that good at it but the one thing i thought i really really worked and and found out that i was really good at 
was that I was able to like look at someone and realize what they so playing in person, yes, playing which is per- different than online. Yeah, but I, I was, was better in person yes, than online, I, and because I could like really look at someone, and I felt I could understand what they didn't want to happen, which is weird because you normally think right, like in order to like win or get like information, you need to know what someone wants to happen. No, sometimes all you need is what they don't want to happen, and then you know when there's a limited range of choices, you just do the opposite of what you know they don't want to do. Yeah, and like and that's sort of like. And that way, spy movies, I think, can can kind of unlock those those like ways in which you can turn a common idea, right? Like, what does someone want, right? Like, I, if I'm going to figure someone out, I need to know what they want. Well, what if you just know what they don't want, right? Like, mm-hmm. then you can, right? Then you can begin to move towards getting to know or getting towards that goal of knowing what they want. Because if you only obsess on one side of that equation, so to speak, right? Like you're lost, right? You could, you could end up fucking out in the ether, right? But are they telling you something else on the other side? And that I think is part of what ends up destroying a lot of these people's emotional <laughs> lives in, in these movies is that is, is, is this conundrum of lying? I mean, Anne couldn't put up with it after a while. Yeah. Oh, so in that story, and once in again, the credit sequence. Yeah, yeah. And, and fuck you viewer, right? Like we're not going to like, tell you that his wife is estranged from him no like we're gonna like make it you gotta like actually like pay attention you to gotta this read oblique, the mail yeah you gotta like obliquely see this fucking mrs george smiley you know like <laughs> fuck off like watch the third time you cunt so <laughs> can't imagine why a spy's wife would be estranged from i'm him. telling you <laughs> so but we once again like the movie just kind of just the movie is deliberate in that way. And this is one of the weirdest, like one of the best things and strangest things about this movie is it is, it is intently deliberate. Like, like multiple viewings show you what you thought was just like, like, why am I watching this? Right? Like, you know, like it's, it's there for a reason. Like a lot of this stuff is there for a reason and it's, it's really well constructed as a result. And, Though this is a bit of cheating, um, spy films also get the benefit of allowing superfluous information that may or may not be important. Yes. Even on a second viewing, which I think this movie manages to accomplish. Listen, in many the audience scenes. deserves a little misinformation too sometimes. <laughs> Agreed. So, uh, where are we? The only item that I want to call out before we get to the point that. Um, we were just talking about where he's pulled in for one last job to yeah. pull in the crime element. Yeah, always pulled the in heist, for one last job. Uh, the heist is um, there's a point where um, Bland, Roy Bland, who's played by an actor that Ryan knows, the Syrian name of. Hines. Yeah, that guy. You may know him from Rome. He played Julius Caesar and a variety of other things where they needed a big, tall guy. He's quite um, good. Check him out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Most he, British actors are true. They're trying to justify some extra expenses for an operation witchcraft which requires um like top top secret um only four people kind of know about it kind of money mm-hmm. uh, and there's a guy under secretary Lakin, who mm-hmm. is the metonymy of the british state in this film and bland has a particular line in this that i really like uh where he says now, this isn't about soldiers and trenches anymore we're the front line right now for 25 years, we've been the only thing standing between them and Carla and Moscow and the Third Bloody World War. And this guy, um, who Control very aptly calls Soldier, mm-hmm. is the most ideologically pure 
of the spies in this movie. Yeah. Um, he doesn't do a ton in the film. If the film was three hours, which it should have been, he would have had more lines. Yeah, and the series is a little more fleshed yeah, out. Yeah, he's definitely a little more fleshed out in the miniseries. How long is the miniseries? Six episodes. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. not bad. Oh, so that's like five yeah, it's a hours. British. It stars okay. Alec Guinness instead it's, of Gabriel. Oh, okay. okay. Good. No, it's I'm sure it's, I'm it's sure it's great. If this movie wasn't fantastic, we'd be reviewing that show. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I love that line because, I, and 25 years is a good clarification because it means that they've actually been doing this for uh, 25 years <laughs> instead of 12. <laughs> I thought it was 12. Um, this guy still thinks that their job of sussing out what <clears throat> Russia is doing, which Carla metonymizes Russia. Yeah. Like he is literally all of Russia to these people because he is the head of the yeah, Russian the intelligence head. service. Yep. Just like Putin's the head of fucking shit today. And, yeah. and for some reason, he thinks that the intelligence that Britain. Mm-hmm. A fucking, at this point, second going on third-rate superpower. Mm-hmm. It, it, he thinks that they are what is causing the world to be stuck together. And mm-hmm. that is how this, comp, this th- that's how this group of people, the circus, gets any funding they fucking want. Control just got one of his, like, primary confidants and a whole cell, a whole, like, a whole cadre of agents killed on accident, yep. like, a year earlier. Mm-hmm. And Undersecretary Layton uh, asked him a couple questions about, it's like, the rent on this house is doubled. Why the fuck are we paying for this, like, random offshoot This, this random secret safe house and they you just, have. they write it off. They yeah. just write it off. They give them all the money they fucking want. Um, and we'll, we figure out why shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't quite know yet. But I just, I love this line because the, the ideology, yep. it's just, it's so pure. Like, Roy Bland knows why he's doing what he's doing and even though it's obviously flawed logic Mm -hmm. he is a motivated and diligent soldier in the fight Mm -hmm. absolutely and I love that Uh, we then meet Ricky Tarr played by uh, the lovely 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 Mercy Tom Hardy oh yeah Mercy in, Why do we in a top twenty role for him? Oh, I'm telling it, it is surprising how many Tom Hardy movies we review and watch together, guys. That's not I, surprising I, at all. Just you know, um, just listen, he's in a lot of stuff, and it's a good thing. <sighs> yeah, uh, and also uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh yeah, oh, yeah he makes yeah. a he yeah, yeah the studious yeah. little uh, guy that you know definitely semi chub yeah, yeah. semi chub yeah sure yeah um, we meet them but they they come up later um, I'm retired Oliver. Yeah, <laughs> which means you're you unique, fired me. Yeah, yeah, which means we're in a, you're in, you're uniquely placed to look into this for us, yes, right? Yes, because you don't technically work there. It's such perfect spy logic. Yeah, it's like it's the last thing they'd expect. It's such it's so tropey. This well, movie is so okay. Uh, well, okay. So, so we might as well just move ahead a little bit into it, just to like I think talk about the point of like you know, I mean. We are told that Control and the opening scene with Mark Strong's character before he sends him to Hungry, right? Like, we are later revealed that Control had doubts about Smiley, right? Like, excuse me, Smiley was one of the potential moles that, you know, like Control was wanting to find out about, right? Yeah, and they they find that out in the flat, in the scene right after this scene. The the scene where he's hired back on for one last job. uh, Because they go to Control's flat and they find the chess pieces. Yes. And it's conspicuous that Smiley's the queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smiley's the biggest piece on the board. And this is the first... This is the first... And now I'll be unfair to myself. It was probably four watches before I noticed that 
that probably factors into the way that Control and Smiley look at each other yep. before they part ways without saying anything. The Control had nothing to say to Smiley. Probably had something to do with the fact that he feels like he may have actually got the mole out of the service. Um, he might have actually accomplished the mission. That's interesting. And then Control dies happy, which I think that's a really interesting conclusion. Yeah, I hadn't... Uh, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> no, Frank, with you. Um, I always... Could, well, because I'm trying to think back to the miniseries. If there's an intervening event that kind of like clears Smiley towards control, which is why control. Because there's, I mean, uh, what? A, I haven't read the book either. So that's true. That's, I don't know if that context is in the book. Well, I guess it's if he if he had the power to take one person out, it would be his deputy at that point, right? Because that's the implication is that Smiley is Control's you know right hand person, so to speak, yeah. right? And then. If Control leaves, obviously Smiley has to but leave as well. But if he trusted Smiley, he would have left him. Unless, you know, Control is, you know, 27D chess, like, you know, I know we didn't get him, but if I take you with me, it will mean that you'll be uniquely placed to look into that, this for us but, later on. But that's not, so, that, I don't get the impression Control's that kind of guy. Interesting. Control is much more direct than that. That's okay. why in the, in the next scene, the, this movie is presaging this podcast, uh, they... <laughs> What, when he turns the piece around, actually, no, literally before he turns the piece, yep. before Smiley turns the piece around, you hear Control, who's dead right now, say, Get in here. And then we go up to the fifth floor. Yeah, we're and in there's a, a meeting. Yeah, we're in a flashback. So we call, you know, so Control's oh, calling yeah, the in the, the yeah, yeah. So Control's calling back in the the, the leadership of the circus uh, before the before the Hungary event, and you know we now are tying all the threads together, right? Like, why did Bland and Percy want the house in London, and why was it secret, and why did they have to pay this money to a secret house? Well, because there's a se there's an operation going on here, and it's Operation Witchcraft. And witchcraft is apparently producing just this amazing intelligence, right? But is it genuine? I don't know. It's it genuine as gold dust. But its topicality makes it suspect. The smiley <laughs> is... That, that yeah. line is so good. All right. Again, viewers, if you haven't seen this scene, watch it again or just watch the movie again one more or six more times. Yeah. Fuck it. Why is Smiley suspicious of the intelligence of witchcraft? Because it's too useful. Yes. Yes. It just might it's, be useful. It's yeah. actually beneficial to our cause. It can't be real. Yes. Which is beautiful. I fucking it's, love yeah, this no, movie. it's beautiful. Because you because once again, like in, in a in a world of deception, you can't like you you, you can't ever have any enjoyment, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like nothing can be that how, easy. I know. How does Bond get hard, right? Like I'm under like so less stress and it's like, <laughs> God damn it, like how do you perform? It's incredible. <laughs> but he's fine. Multiple people around the table make the joke, but they're also all very sincere about it, except for Percy Alleline, who is gunning for Control's job. Percy is very sincere in a way that everyone finds extremely off-putting. In several scenes, that comes through, and it's very funny. And his, and his his he is prone to over-investing, right? Like that's yeah. like you know he he's tied himself to this operation essentially. Well, and, and he's 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 too fucking earnest for this job. Yeah, absolutely. He's got Roy Bland's problem. Hence, why he was you know a target for this for witchcraft. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like why, why Carla targeted him for witchcraft? Oh, we're losing our reputation. Our partner. <laughs> Your blood. Yank. 
Thanks. We've had enough. Yeah, because he knew Carla knew who to go after yeah. here. Well, the the, the the viciousness of ambition and credulousness, you know, like you got to be careful in the spy game. And actually being committed to your job, yes. which we don't get the impression control is on some level. Like right. control has gone into this like winding road where the, the idea, I mean, and, and it seemed possible the first time you watch it, and it still sort of feels possible on second watches, control... The fact that he knows there's a mole there, even if there wasn't a mole there, that would be the perfect counterintelligence mm-hmm. for Carla to plant because mm-hmm. the fact, the idea that he can't trust everybody there literally drives him insane and kills him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... There didn't have to be a mole. Right. He could have just planted him. And there is... There's there's a thing that I imagine gets more play in the movie, which will or in the book, which we'll get to, about Ricky Tarr potentially being a double agent. Yep. Oh, that's which, disappointing. Which, yeah. Well, it seems it seems plausible. Yeah. Like it well, makes it yeah. makes a lot of sense because his backstory really is a little confusing. We just kinda yeah, just kinda shows up. Yeah, it's like, oh, by the way, there's a mole and a Russian woman told me about it. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> like it's not a great cover. I just had and to like, I just kinda randomly ran into her. Yeah. And I, just, I just had to sneak back into the country and tell you, Mr. Yeah, Smiley. Yeah. yeah. But the the other thing that Operation Witchcraft reveals on the second watch, um, certainly not on the first, um, is the degree to which control also doesn't trust the Americans. Yeah. Um, he, Who would? He <laughs> is, he's specifically British. He's yeah. pro-British. Percy is not. Percy is pro-success, and that's his problem. Absolutely. He wants to get back with the Americans because he wants the circus to be... Preeminent. The, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Preeminent is yeah. the perfect word, yes. I feel like that's... that's uh, the UK's problem now is, you know, I mean, with the Brexit thing, it's like they want to, like, follow the American thing, but they don't realize it's like they've been failing for a while and, like, we're on their way out and yeah. we're both we're both sinking ships at this point. Absolutely. But we're still big younger brother. Like, America still has that role. And I don't think... Pers- no, I know. I'm saying, I'm saying England still kind of yeah. feels like that with America, even though we might just be driving a sinking ship. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Percy has the same has that same problem in the 1960s that Britain still has today. Really? He just he wants he he wants the institution he is part of to be the greatest yeah, it can be. Yeah, no, it that dies and that hard. Is a fatal that flaw. That fucking dies hard in people. Well, and you know, you know, we talked about Graham Greene earlier, right? Like a lot of his, you know, is 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 the mockery of of this pretension, which even after World War II, it was you know they were really pretending at that point. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, where the fuck are we in the plot? I don't we're, even know. We're, like, we're like talking about how time in. for another drink. This, yeah, this, this is this control. One. We can get to that in just a second. Right. Um, th- this is actually, I mean, this this is a pivotal moment yeah, in the film. He, the, he turns, take us to a good breaking he, point. He turns the queen piece after control has his first real argument with everyone. Uh, he goes, um, control stands up and just says, out, everybody out. And everybody except Bill Hayden... Mm-hmm. And played by Colin Firth. And played by Colin Firth, and um, Smiley. Played by Gary Oldman. Leave initially, mm-hmm. and then Bill also gets up because he understands he's not part of the new. He's not part of the old school. Like he, he eventually gets up. Yeah, and leaves. everyone leaves. Bill lingers, like in a sense, asking. You know, like he'd like to like, be part on, of that club, like, you but, know, and but, he he was slightly egging on because Bill was the first person to doubt the intelligence. He he put in the joke. It was like style appalling. Patently a fabrication from beginning to end. Just could be the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, um, 
There's a, and we find out he's clowning on them eventually. Yes, but that's exactly. for the second and third watch. So. Yeah. So, um, but in the end, right, like he says a great, he, you know, like Control says a great line. He's like, if witchcraft is genuine. Nothing is genuine anymore. Right? Like, I think, you know, once again, like, that that pivotal insight into the digital age. There's you know? no truth in this room. Yeah, like, yeah. We, like we, we, cannot, we cannot be based on the assumption of a, of, uh, of a, a singularity, right? Like, we, we cannot operate from that position. It, and does, it doesn't matter how padded the walls are. It doesn't matter how clean the room is. Yep. You can't debug it enough. There's... Nothing you can trust. Yep. No matter where it is, everybody and, is a fucking like. Fuck, like everybody's fallible. Goddamn, and it like it kills them. Like it. Like <laughs> what kind of life is this? Like no, it's, give it's me a, a break. fucking terrible one. Okay, so what I talked about before is that like I, I listened to a podcast that kind of soured my taste on spies. Right. It was a feminist <laughs> podcast on uh, looking at the cultural impacts of the book Lolita. Okay. But the thing Do is, tell. Yeah, yeah, so there's a direct line between Graham Greene um, and his spies and mm-hmm. Nabokov okay. and his, um, you know, his pedophile, because both <laughs> right. despicable people, yes. like, these are both people that, like, lie yep. for a living and have to hold in terrible secrets yep. that lead them to death or institutions. Yes. And, um, but the funny thing is, is Graham Greene, his... Uh, like his little like liner notes like what he said about Lolita Mm -hmm. is what propelled that book into like the infamy that it was so if it wasn't for Graham Greene like promoting Lolita (laughs) like Lolita would never have become part like as manipulated and bullshit as it is because newsflash folks Lolita's like not a romance yes I know it's hard for people to believe that's not the case I I, I, have, I have always so like I'm, but I, like Graham Greene is like singularly responsible for like that book becoming a cultural fucking phenomenon I, I just just and then I, and like after listening to that I was like I'm a little soured on spies anyways and I like listen audience as you know, I don't do feminist reads on anything, but like, fuck no, spies. No, you're the woman. You don't have to. Yeah. No, look, lit- <laughs> that's Ryan's job. Literary, <laughs> literary. I gotta justify my my womanizing somehow. Like, like my like. All right, sidebar. Literary sidebar here, right? Like, I I have seen the tweets which you know say that you know if you you know, you're on a date with a guy and he tells you that Lolita is one of his top three books. You know, that's a deal breaker. I've seen the tweets, you know, like I get it. And I was that guy, but I was like very shocked to like realize that like some people like thought there was some glimmer of, of like positive humanity in that book. And oh there, God. there's not like, you, okay. I like that book because no. everyone is horrible. Yeah. Everyone. Okay, th- this is, I everyone. almost didn't listen to the podcast because I was like, I know this is going to be feminist and I don't want to listen to a podcast that like disparages the book because I think it's the best thing written in the English language, but mm-hmm. that doesn't negate the fact that Humbert is a horrible fucking like pedophile. Well, Dolores is horrible. Uh, Lolita's horrible. Like everyone, Everyone's, everyone's <laughs> horrible in that book. Yeah. It's so... Yeah, like, just like spies are horrible, like, people in Lolita are horrible. Claire like, Quilt, like, there is... Yeah. Like, I listened to that book. Like, there is a lot of horrible people. Some of them are spies, some of them are pedophile <laughs> teachers, some of them are fucking pedophile actors. Yeah, some like, of them there's are a inf- lot of horrible people in the world, some and the- they... There's a lot of fantastic literature about them. 
I listened to that book on the way up to and on the way back from the solar eclipse oh, when, it, when it passed nice. over in South Carolina. <laughs> and it was the perfect, it was the perfect juxtaposition to just being on a trek to a great cosmic event. Yes. Yeah. To be in the head of this pervert. Like, it was just a, it was such, that's that's like the perfect way to, it's a camping trip book. Like, yeah. I, I will, I will always associate that book with this dock that I was standing on yes. for like several hours at a time because the campsite we went to was way overcrowded. Oh, but geez. this dock was apparently too far away so no one walked to it. It was okay, it was pre-COVID. And it was just, it was just great because it was this placid, mm-hmm. it was this placid lake and HH it's just justifying his unrequited love, and it's just it's it, it was it was the right grounding moment because you can't I can absolutely see being read or otherwise pilled by reading Lolita, <laughs> like I can totally see it being like yeah everything that's wrong with me is fine and <laughs> you don't get that if you're in nature while you read it yeah I think that's the key okay is that you get you get the nice it's like you look out it's like no the world is well, the clearly is, not like this yeah and well the thing is the people that perceive it as a romance mostly are just based off the movies because the movies is what promoted that kind of is line the movie any good which one I have no idea. There's the um, the Peter Sellers, so James I Mason really, one. Oh, so directed Kubrick, by Kubrick, Kubrick did the first one. If we want to go deep, I'll go deep on that and watch it with you. The second one in 1997 was more pivotal for like the cultural prospects of Lolita. Lou and I got 20 minutes through it and couldn't fucking stand it. Yeah, Jeremy, the best thing to come out of but that it, movie... But it is a cult. It is. It does have a heavy cult like following in like... Tumblr culture from 10 years ago. Look, the best thing about that movie is the fact that Jeremy Irons read the audiobook. Like, that's the only thing yeah. that good that came out of that movie, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I, I had not seen it when it originally came out, and I watched it, like, listening to this podcast, like, I decided to look into it, and I got 20 minutes into <laughs> it and was like, fuck this. But <laughs> we were talking about a movie earlier. Which one? Tinker Taylor Soldier. Oh right. Spy. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, got, we're gonna I take get, a break because my laptop's about to die. I know. Oh, I need go. a. I need so, a drink thing, yeah, and I we went need, on my tangent to wow about why we're about to spies first... and spies and pedophiles, bad people. I oh, know, right? <laughs> um, Second. <laughs> catch it. No, uh, we're uh, we're about to hit the Christmas party, so this is also thematic. Back in a second. It's um, complicated. Are we ready to go back into it, Ryan? You so, look zen. yeah, let's get back into our British class struggle here between the... Oh, uh, we got a movie. Yeah. yeah. We do. All right. Between those investigating and those who might be rats. Those who lie and those who lie to the liars. <laughs> We're about to find some files in the reptile fund in what is maybe the second most tense scene in the entire film. What, which when involves... he's stealing that, the, the pages out of that book in the library? No, 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 that's the most tense scene <laughs> oh, in the movie. Oh, okay, That okay. happens uh, later. Cumberbatch, you're the, adorable. We raise the stakes to going into a library. The first time... <laughs> yeah. The first time, Peter goes into his own office yeah. to get files. And again, this is the second most tense scene in the entire film. Peter Gwillem is like a relatively high up guy. He's like a fourth floor guy. Yeah. 
and he's terrified of being caught out because he's been conscripted by Smiley, who is, you know, ex-MI5. Um, terrified someone's going to notice that he's taking papers out of a safe he knows the code to. Yes. And he does almost get caught. Yes. Bland catches him in... Uh, a masterful <laughs> fucking the, yep. the cinematography. It's a great reveal. Flat shot, service elevator. It's got a it's got a vertical opening. Yeah. Um, it's just Benedict yeah, because they go in like a service door from like a garage to get to the secret building that yep. they all work at. <laughs> <laughs> that, that building that building is in the middle of a courtyard around a school the circus the facility is cgi entirely yeah really? okay gotcha yeah, yeah that whole building is not supposed to be there gotcha but he he's in the service elevator he's breathing a sigh of relief facing away from the camera dead flat pan of this elevator door and then you just hear bland's voice heard you had an accident peter yeah, I cut my hand open on the drawer. When are you going to get some new furniture out here? And Benedict Cumberbatch just raises his hand. It's like, yeah, cut it on a drawer. And then they have a little back and forth. But yep. it's this fucking... It's such a tense scene. Because nothing else happened in the film so far. Like, mm-hmm. no... No, like there's there's arguing. Well, there was the Hungarian scene. Yeah, yeah that's that's basically it. But it, it's weird because that scene's like less tense than this one. Because right. <laughs> the, the scene seems like Peter might get found out. Yeah. Um, more impor- more importantly, right? Like he'll be caught lying. Right? Like it's like once again, like we all know we're lying. We just you just can't be caught lying. Like come on. <laughs> Fuck, it's so good. Viewer, watch this again for a fifth time to get yeah. through that. Just, just revel in this scene. Um, but no, he goes He goes off. Uh, they have lunch together, presumably. We don't actually get to see what happens mm-hmm. there. That's a cutting room floor scene, which, again, this movie should have been, been three six, hours. Three yeah, hours, you say? Yeah, yep. I guess, you know, whatever. I've yeah. been, I'd, I'd been down. You want the direct, director's cut. Four yeah. and a half, fine. Where's we'll the Snyder cut of might. This movie was profitable. It just wasn't Marvel movies profitable. I re- there better be a sequel to this movie. Oh. Well, I thought Smiley runs everything after this. Yeah, he does. Okay. Yep. Smiley's People is the next book. Um, Which is also a miniseries, and it's also really fucking good. It was, yeah. It's amazing that the British like doing a miniseries about British people doing British things. That's the thing with prestige television. They're like, what, you mean like British British television from the 80s? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> like fucking Americans? Yeah. God damn it. Uh, uh, the next scene, uh, the ministers are playing uh, squash, and uh, Percy's just watching from up on the balcony, and they go into the locker room, and uh, Percy is trying to convince them. This, this if every other scene isn't so quintessentially this movie and beautiful, uh, this scene also captures this perfectly. Um, Percy starts talking initially about Operation Witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And the prime minister says, "Drop the bloody jargon." Yep. After one sentence. Yep. And then every sentence after he says that is just absolutely packed with meaning. Yep. Um, 
they talk about bringing the Americans back into bed. Mm-hmm. They talk about establishing witchcraft beyond all doubt, which mm-hmm. we don't even know what witchcraft provides yet, so we have no fucking well, idea. Well, obviously, what that means. it's too good to be true. Well, but it, we do know that it brought in that initial intelligence in the flashback. That was the other thing, yes. right? Like that's it, that's all we know. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess we don't, it's, we don't it's, know it's, how it's delivered. Yeah, yeah. I guess. we don't know how. We don't know anything about it. That's yeah. right. This movie goes between like current and flashback, like rather seamlessly to where. Like until you've watched it a time or two, sometimes you're not quite sure which time period you're in because it kind of just it's very smoothly moves yeah. between flashback and current. Yeah, day. it shows it, sh- it, and it's it. There's um, there's a breezy quality to the film. I think yeah. it's it's really. Well, the thing is that the like the the drabness doesn't change in the flashback. I mean, mm-hmm. your time is changing, but like the overall aesthetic doesn't change. So like you can almost kind of like miss that. Like I said, well, I, the first time around you miss a lot of that stuff, yeah. but it's. There's no big border. Yeah, it's 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 Although, just very seamlessly no, like back and forth. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like it's not like stuff looks like less hazy in the past. It's hazy all the way through. Yeah, the only the only context you're given for that is if Control is alive and Smiley's wearing different glasses because yeah. he gets new glasses <laughs> in the credit scene, uh, which I also didn't notice until the second time I watched it. Exactly. Um, yeah, there, but, there's like a meeting, and their director's like, "How are we going to help people figure out whether it's the, the present or the past?" And like, in the present, he'll have different glasses, and they're like, "Fuck yeah, every, everyone, okay, everyone can only an idiot could miss this on first viewing." Fuck, that is actually that's one of the weird things about television is that. They have to assume you only watch a television show one time, so yeah. the way that it like calls back to itself and like the characters referring to each other and their character, like you have to assume everybody's watching this like one episode a week. A movie is edited in its totality. Like everyone who's yeah. editing a movie is focused on the fact that they. It, no, no, actually, they're not, they're not focused on the fact that no one knows what's going yeah. on because they're seeing it in its totality. Yeah. What the worst thing about TV is the fact that it comes out once once a week because when you do get good shows that are good on the rewatch, like having to wait between episodes is like the worst way to watch a television program. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know. I don't watch television anymore. I, okay, oh, I, I Dave doesn't up own a TV. H- HBO. <laughs> I own more televisions than anyone. I just don't watch HBO, any of them. HBO reissued oh. Babylon 5 in like 4K. I watched the first episode. I was almost brought to tears just thinking about all the details in that first episode that are like applicable to the horrible war and resolution that takes five fucking seasons to get through. <laughs> I was literally like oh my god I, I oh my god the war I don't know if I can live through this again I don't know if I can watch this whole like and it's literally the first episode is as applicable to season five and four as like I, it's just it's mind-boggling you're the biggest dork at this table I know <laughs> oh no doubt and it's and it's it's totally by accident because I I never thought I was capable of re-watching science fiction fucking series repeatedly it can happen. And now to you. I can't fucking help it. No, the expanse is really great, and thank you for introducing me to it. Oh, are you are you into it? I've um, not seen the newest season yet, okay, so no spoilers. The newest season, the episode I watched last night was by far the strongest episode of the season. Okay, I was cool. I was very enticed. I was enticed to the point that I put on the book that takes place afterwards last night. You're the so biggest I'm gonna dork keep fucking at this going. Fucking table. I have the group <laughs> peer pressure and momentum of 
four of my friends to watch The Expanse. Oh, you have, friends that, you have friends that watch The Expanse? I, got I thought through, I was a lone wolf here. I got you have friends? one season <laughs> and you had to, to shut it off. There's a thing to watching sci-fi because they, they there there is things that all sci-fi series suffer from, and you have to accept that. And like, and in the Expanse, one of the things you also have to accept is that James Holden will be righteous no matter what, <laughs> and you can hate him for it. Just fucking move on with your life. It is um, like a lot of sci-fi based on fully fleshed out narratives prior to production yeah. like it's really it's really well done and it's you know is so tinker taylor soldier spy <laughs> is a movie about I spies no i just uh, like tangents ta- we gotta we gotta focus folks because yeah. we're only focus a that's quarter. untrue we right. have no pe- no i was about to say a lie i All was right. about to pull a peter Gwillem here um, we do have one patron. Um, his name is uh, Matt. Hey, Matt. And he's been on the podcast, which is a fucking great $5 a month patron uh, yeah. perk. In the grand scheme of things, I think he's made out pretty good. He gets to use my shower. Uh, I guess he pays for that separately, though. So yeah, he does. And in fairness, you haven't really been producing a podcast in the last no, year. No, he keeps sending me messages on Patreon telling me to produce more content, and I keep ignoring him. Um, he showers on your deck. He does. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just, I just have <laughs> two, no, just, 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 caveat, two caveats. One, one. He is naked. If you get a five, if you get the five dollar a month Patreon, you are not entitled to shower on my deck. I uh, just want to make that clear. There's other reasons why Matt's allowed to do that. Two. Number two. <laughs> Uh, Tinker Taylor, you were saying, Ryan. Yeah, so this is a movie, at some point, I'm assuming, we're going to get to Tom Hardy, which, to be frank no, with you, is No, first we're going to get to Connie Sachs. Oh, Connie who, who, oh, by the way, poor Connie Sachs. I don't know about you, George, but I feel seriously underfucked. Yes, so... Right, she so, lives in some, like, estate. Yes. Um, it's the <laughs> Sachs estate. The Sachs estate. We don't, like, have much of an idea of the contours of her life, but right. she seems to live... Under the inheritance of someone with a lot of children. Yeah, either either that or it is strictly a deflowering factory. Like I really can't figure <laughs> out like what is going on. Either like, is possible. Yeah, like it's either like a theater <laughs> troupe or it just specializes in defiling virgins. I can't tell. When, when they like talk- I said, spies, pedophiles, very closely related. At the hip, <laughs> and no. her name is Sax. <laughs> so we're moving on. So right, but like this is the thing, right? Like so. You know, like George discovers the reptile fund has been, in fact, paying for this secret, right? The secret room that is off the books, uh, except for the reptile fund. And we need to, like, make sense of this, right? So he tracks down Connie Sachs, who shares the ignominity of losing her position around the same time of, let's just call it the control purge, right? Where there was yeah. this there was this clear transition. The incident. Yeah, the incident, <laughs> the purge, this 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 outgoing of personnel from the old guard. Yeah, and then uh, you and gotta get you gotta get a new cabinet in. Yeah, and and it's like new well, management, new cabinet. You know, like you know, you know, George Connie welcome, you know, Connie welcomes him in. Uh, clearly has a positive and and affectionate, um, you know, uh, feeling for George. And, you know, she brings him in and she's you know, so British. It's like I got biscuits and tea, you know, and of he course. pulls out the old bottle of um, of uh, Johnny, uh, Walker Black. Johnny Walker Black because, you know, George is a classy guy. Um, 
and there once again he shakes the bottle yeah he shakes the bottle at it wicked wicked george <laughs> you know Oof. like oh and you know like just saying how wonderful of a guy you is and by the way i heard anne left you again she doesn't deserve you george not one hair on your you head. left the circus shortly after i retired right like he changes the subject right into that right so we're still around this idea of like you know mrs george smiley is absent noticeably absent from the picture and will remain so for the time being but connie's got a story to tell and in that story is a russian named if my memory serves polyakov alexei polyakov and he's a Russian, which means he's as fucking... He's evil. Yeah, he's, he's, he's dodgier than a $3 bill. And we've got to walk out for this guy because, you know, he maybe got saluted by someone at some time. Connie's reviewing footage. I love... So, unlike every other scene in this film, I love this scene <laughs> because... When she describes why she was fired, yes. she was fired because she was in research. She was one of the people who does actual work at this fucking organization. Female, by the way. Yeah, yeah. female. Well, she's yeah. female. The women do literally all the work. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they do, all, they the do all the work and get none of the screen time. Because they, British. They, yeah. British. This is, this is something you'll only notice on like the third Yeah, she's the unless, only one that has like real information the whole fucking movie. Well, yep. and it, it's just uh, other than, you know, I guess everyone's woke enough to recognize this on the first time. The Hidden Figures films out and Mad Men is a thing. So, people will recognize this earlier but in 2011 it was an earlier time it was not quite as obvious that the women take all the notes do all the recording do the video like they and do, they still get killed too so oh no yeah no they're it's just as it's shitty a, as it's, always. It's, it's, yeah, it's but a no, fucking tough gig. No, they do they do all of the work from floors four to one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so and the, Connie does the work of research. Yes. She goes through tapes yep. of suspicious people looking for suspicious shit they do. Yes. And Connie notices in this one video of a military parade mm-hmm. that Polyakov, who is a cultural attache, <laughs> <laughs> which justifiably, she's, everyone says, it's like, we need to look into her. Uh, we need to look into this guy. And Connie dismissively says, they graded him whiter than white. It's like, he's a He's a cultural at his job is to be like, hey, Russia's pretty cool. I'm Russian. Right? Yeah, yeah. Russia's great. Like, Soft power, anybody? Z- <laughs> like zero influence. Like this guy is a nobody. Yep. And she's hunched over, staring at a 13-inch television, scrolling back and forth through parade footage, and notices someone salutes Polyakov. This 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 plain. We don't want to talk about doing your nobody. own research. Yeah. Like, this woman is fucking on it. Yeah, no, what she you... would love twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she would be on the TikTok. And it and Smiley is so on her wavelength. Yep. Just immediate. It's like, why why would a military person salute an attaché? Mm-hmm. And she calls in. She calls in Percy, who is currently like the head of everything because control's been kicked out at this point. She calls in literally the top executive of the circus. That was her first mistake. And she's like, look at this and motherfucker. Point, and literally, she does the thing. Look at this. Look at this <laughs> motherfucker. She points <laughs> look at, this at the screen. She points at the screen. He must be bad. Polyakov is a carla trained hood if ever I saw one. And if he's here, it must be because he's running a mole. You're to leave Polyakov alone. You're becoming obsessed with him. Losing your sense of proportion, Connie. But that's ridiculous. Perhaps it's time you went out into the real world. 
I love the lingo. Um, just a shout out. Her name is uh, the actress's name is Kathy Burke. She is really really great in this. And I looked. I did. I uh, you know, truth be told, full disclosure, I did have to look her up on IMDb because she was in the Elizabeth movies with Kate Blanchett. She plays the crazy Queen Mary in those in that. In the uh, first it's been Elizabeth a while, movie. but I have seen both of those she's movies. She's fucking great in that too. Anyway, she's great as Connie Sex in this movie. Also, I just I, really fuck. phenomenal. <laughs> Only person doing any work outside of the guy in Hungary. Yeah. No, and what work? Yeah, like, what? That guy got shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he had a rough day at the office. I'll give it to him. Look, we'll get to Ricky Tar. He's coming up. Yeah, <laughs> he's, but he's working too. Don't get but, me wrong. But it's just Connie. Connie's, he's a little over ambitious, if yeah. you ask me. Connie like found this thing. She connected two dots in the fucking basement of this facility, and she's immediately told, "Look." You need a reality check. Yeah, they're yeah. gaslighting her immediately <laughs> for this. It's time you... I love the line, <laughs> perhaps it's time you went out into the real world. Yep. Because what we're doing here is clearly not the no, real world. No, this is... Yeah, yeah. This is total fabricated bullshit and you're fucking on to us. Yeah. But what makes that amazing is that literally scene to scene, back to back, Connie goes into a picture box. Yep. She goes into a, a memory. There's a name for this. There's a one word name I won't remember. The photos thing you put stuff in. Sounds good. My mom will be so upset that I don't know the name of this. Like she, an album? Yeah. There. A memory. <laughs> Fuck. There it is. A memory hole. Yeah. And she pulls out memory vacuum? And she pulls out these photos of everyone when they were young because these people have been fucking they've been doing this for 25 years yeah she has like pictures of control yeah like when he as, was young and up like and a coming. captain yeah, in the military the officer in the yeah. British military yeah. Jim Preto and um Bill Hayden Bill Hayden of course the inseparables as she the calls them oh yeah. all my lovely boys that was a good time George it was the war, Connie. A real war. Englishmen could be proud then. But it, but and it, do you, you, the English people are obsessed with Remembrance Day. But, but there's a reason for that. Because they were fucking valid back then. And, and Connie is such a perfect vessel for just being so proud of who she is. Twenty-five years on so detached from what she used to be because we don't know what she did during the war but whatever it was I'm sure she was proud of it then oh too. I'm sure and it meant something back then like that's literally that's the fumes those are the fumes she's living no they're on. still suffering from that but shit I, I think too right like to me and I, and I think I'm not saying you're not invalid here right but I think there's a component of this too which is that like you know being young right like this is you know they could like they could like trace that back to like you know like like lie lie number zero right like the 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 origin lie right like when there was when there wasn't a, when there was the ability to be truthful. Well, and, that, no, and, yeah, and, that was that was when they were circulating hence. propaganda that said you know like loose lips means you know fucking yeah. Yeah. like secrets fucking. Well, Bullsh you know, there's also the weird thing that keep Connie calm and shut your fucking mouth, yeah, or Russians will fucking take over. That's what yeah. the poster said. Yeah, but, but yeah. We don't. It, what's What's weird is Connie in particular. Again, I, I think she is she's the vessel for this because she didn't ever. And this is this was probably the career limiting move is she didn't have to lie. Yeah, her she was actually intelligence. Yes. She was never counterintelligence. 
like her job was truth seeking. Yes, exactly. Well done. In an organization full of full liars. liars. Yes. <laughs> and she's a woman, so it's kind of hard to it's it's, ne- it, it's hard enough to work your way up in that kind of fucking environment yeah. anyways. She so was, she was never getting past the third floor. Yeah. It was never going to happen. Even and though she's probably the most competent person outside of Smiley in this whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> truth be told. If it's bad, don't come back. I want to remember you all as you were. Real, I mean, heartbreaking, I think. Yeah, no, like heartbreaking. <laughs> like, it really gets me because she's, she's to the point, right, like where... Yeah, she understands. She want to, but she doesn't want to know the truth. Like, this is what's so cool about this movie. She doesn't want to know the truth, right? Like, if it's bad, I don't want to know the truth, yeah. right? Like, I'd, I prefer the lie. To oh. remember you guys is yep. the way I remember yep. you. And which, oh, so Like, good. when you had meaning yep. and there was still fucking hope. Don't tell me the truth. Lie to me. A top 20 scene in this film. Which... Easy. But but once again, yeah. But once again, if he doesn't return, it means it's bad, right? Like, this, she knows if she doesn't hear from him. It, we, like, that's the thing. There's no... She she cannot escape the possibility... Of, the, the truth. She can't escape it. So, or, okay. So, let's reassess here. Where are we? Right? We got a safe house. We're 45 minutes. No. We're less than 45 minutes. Yes. Okay. So, we've got a safe house. We've got Smiley. We've got Polyakov. We're doing good, right? We're hanging in there. You know, control has passed away, and there's some other guys up in the top floor. Uh, but Is I gotta, I gotta, but I gotta, I just want to draw, draw one tension. I don't, I don't, uh, so we'll raise this before we move on with the plot. This movie is fucking slow and deliberate. I've already slow used burn. Word. Yeah, it's a, it's a slow burn. I've already I used like the word. I like slow burn. I've used the word deliberate. And I want to... And gray. We, Did you say drizzly? Yeah, gray. It's very, very <laughs> drizzly. Very drizzly. I believe the word drab has been used before. <laughs> and... But I think that one of the things I'd like to maybe mention before we move on to what will really set us off was the Tom Hardy section, is the... This movie, and where a lot of, you know, system spy movies deviate from accidental and super spy movies is the specific idea of like thought, right? Like this movie and a lot of what we'll move through as we head towards the climax, the actually, excuse me, the non-climax of this movie <laughs> is the idea of putting things together, right? Like, like gathering information, piecing things together and thinking through the import of that. And it is so rare. And a lot of other spy movies and the reason super spy and accidental spy movies tend to dominate is because, first off, right, it is the man of action trope. Which I was going to say, you action yes. is your key word there. But the key thing with action, right, is that you are the opposite of deliberate. You are improvisational, right? Like you, you, you see, yeah. assess, even, act, even like the in, born movies. That's all improv. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Like it is, it is putting things together quickly. It is the mission impossible. That MacGyver. Bing, yep. Bing, yeah. bing, boom. I'm in. I've got, okay. I've, I've, I've skirted through. Right. I'm like me. I'm, I'm improving on the side. Absolutely. I've got my fucking duct tape. We're gonna figure this out. Yeah. You are. You know the 2D platformer of movies, right? You are. <laughs> you are dodging and jumping through obstac- obstacles so that you don't lose. Your your life right like that is the the classic way but this movie is opposite from that right it is deliberate it is intentional it is piecing things together and it provides spaces within the narrative where these where there are these contemplative pauses within the movie and that is i think perceived as slowness but it isn't it is incredibly deliberate in this film like what is to be happening and 
Um, I only mention this now because as we, as like I said, as we head to the non-climax of this film, there is this, this deliberate repetition of the interviews, the segments that we've cut, the, the, the individual segments we've gone through, right? All of this will, is building into something, right? That we, that we as the audience and more importantly, Smiley as the, you know, the, the, the spy master pieces together to resolve the, the tension of this film. And we are, I'm assuming we're heading to Tom Hardy. I can't think of anything but Tom Hardy as we're heading it's into this. What is he in the movie? Dave, you got about, the outline. Um, Other things about Tom Hardy. film, but first. First. Okay, we got an in. Oh. There's a bunch of kids playing recorders. Oh, yes, Jim Prito. With Mr. Ellis. Oh, he's Yeah, not- <laughs> he's all of a sudden, like, assimilated into civilian life as a fucking, what, French teacher or something? Yeah, uh, clearly, I don't know if all British schools are boys' schools, but they're all... Yeah. Okay. There are yeah. no women in Britain. That way, we, that we know. <laughs> well, and we know how low he's falling on the pecking order, based solely on my Top Gear viewing experience, and that he lives in a caravan. Yeah, which means he <laughs> yeah. must be the absolute lowest part of, of British. Yeah, society I mean, it's point. like you just go through like a hellish situation in Hungary, and now you're like back against the plebs. Yeah, thanks in for your, your service. Trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically, like yeah, fuck. yeah, fucking shut your mouth and. Shut Spit, the fuck up. Spit out by the organization. Look, Ugh. he didn't die like every woman in this film, <laughs> so he has that going for him. Like I said, it is rough to be a woman in a spy film. Yeah. He, But he's alive. He's teaching young boys. He meets the young... Is the boy named Bill, too? Bill Roach, sir. I'm a new boy. Oh, God almighty. Bill Hayden. Bill and he's Roach. fat, yeah. and he's unattractive, and he's like an, an outsider, outcast. Yeah. And no, he's, he, he's never met a bad Bill. Yeah. Oh, they've all Never been good ones. One. Yeah, they've all yeah. been good ones. All been good ones. <laughs> um, that scene is great, but unremarkable. It's it, it's mostly a, a scenery chewing thing. He murders a bird in a classroom. And, yeah, showing uh, his aptness. Well, right? it's, it's showing his ability. That, that he's not where he's supposed to be in a classroom. Like this is yeah. not his first fucking daytime yeah. job. Him murking a flaming owl out of the sky <laughs> yeah. is fucking impressive. Yeah, that, maybe this person probably shouldn't be working near children. Yeah, no, but even if the spy, you know, even if the spy organization doesn't want him back in their ranks, but still, right? Like you know, I think recognizes a young. A young, a young boy with talent. What you good at? Nothing, sir. You're a good watcher, though, eh? Us loners always are. Best watcher in the unit, Bill Roach is, I'll bet. As long as he's got his specs on, right? Yes, sir. Well, uh, with the glasses, like, right? Like, you don't have parents? Just, you want to be a spook? Yeah. Yeah, despite... <laughs> Turn it I, off, babe. Turn I, it off, Jim. Like, come I on. Never, shit. I never <laughs> even actually made that connection. That that always seems slightly heartfelt. I guess that's much more awful than I originally Listen, thought. you don't got parents, you get to be a spook. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> you want to be... <laughs> Let me introduce you to my friend Ricky Tarr. Yeah. Who comes up in the next scene... Uh, Smiley keeps a wedge in his door to make sure that people aren't going into his house. I've done that when I stayed in hotel rooms. That's totally fair. Did you steal that from this film? Uh, no, I've done that beforehand because I've uh, actually liked spy films before this. So. Okay, very good. <laughs> but the wedge in the door is a great little thing. Um, yeah, and then he spots literally just a fucking knife on his dinner table, yep. which I think is a good tension <laughs> dissolver in this mm-hmm. scene because Smiley walks in, knows someone is in his house, 
who's not supposed to be there, walks around. He's a the master bit. spy. You better know this shit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it is funny how ambiguous it is. Like, we don't really know what Smiley's, like, profession actually was. Like, we don't know how he got to where he was. We just know that he, like, he's good at intelligence, clearly. He's an introvert in a way that is good for this kind of work. But we don't actually know what he's done. We don't know that he's killed anybody. Well, we don't, the- like... And more importantly, right, like the, the, the storytelling devices have not told us that we need to know, like, that this is who he is, right? Yeah. Like, we, we are left to surmise based solely on the, on the skimpiness of actual <laughs> realism. No, like, that, that, like, he is someone of import and capability. But, yeah, uh, his spy, his spy master skills surmise that when he spies a knife on his dinner table, that someone he knows is there. And uh, he just says, Hello, Ricky. No. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom Not Hardy appears. Yeah, and Tom t- Hardy appears. <sighs> blonde. God damn. Um, Fresh and, out of what we use, like in North Africa. Uh, Turkey, Istanbul. Oh, Istanbul. Yeah, okay. in, the, in the in the story, so he's got a story to tell. Ricky does sure because does. at this point, right? Like we are then found that like Ricky is persona non grata. A um. Because it's Ricky's initial message to Undersecretary Lakin um, that that spurs on Smiley's investigation, and Ricky's appearance within for Smiley is this final connecting of the dot, right? Like what you know, like now you know, like like Genesis meets something. And well, they I mean, co- we finally yeah. have like someone who was out in the field, like bringing back something. Yes, exactly. Right, like yeah. someone like, doing actual work. Yeah, yeah. There. yeah. And the story Ricky tells. You know, obviously, you know, key and, and 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 important to this, but also, so we're given like this scene for Tar to like introduce himself to build pathos with the with the audience, uh, and then to con- you know also right to like not only convince Smiley but to convince us of his importance within the plot, and it takes an actor of such <laughs> charisma of such <laughs> import of better? such. <laughs> Of such just animal magnetism to be able to pull this off. And it is, of course, the the luscious Tom Hardy. Ugh. So the character Ricky Tar was in Istanbul, uh, put on an assignment to like track down this. Um, there was a Russian delegate who was planning on like swapping sides for intel, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. And that ended up being a deadbeat. Yeah, he's supposed to send her to scope him out. And he's like, this fucking guy's obviously a plant, right? Like, well, this is no delegate. What delicate bothers to play drunker than he really is. You get to recognize your own, don't you, Mr. Smiley? Yeah. And um and then he's like, well fuck it. Why the fuck am I in Istanbul? I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce out of here. But in my just casual spying, you know, as I'm as I'm getting ready to check out, you know. He crosses um, into that Yeah uh, that uh Arena? He's Arena, yeah. He's doing, yeah. he's doing some peeping tom work. On Boris on the way out. The delegate. Yeah, he's 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 on his last night there. And then he notices that Boris, uh, the delegate, has an attractive wife. That he beats. So, um... Because yeah. he's always he, fucking rough in a know. spy movie. He, 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 and so as he's, like, rear-windowing... As he's rear-windowing... Yeah, as we're rear-windowing, right. like, watching Ricky look through the window as Irina's getting, like, beat up by her mob boss, he goes and, like decides to go make good with her because she probably has some good intel and he was he was beating her anyway it was fine it was it was fine it was all good i uh she's not even my type (laughs) 
He's, he literally says that. He literally says, and this is this is perfect. Like, yeah. What is the lie here? Yeah. Like the movie, the movie has take what I see, not what I say. Yep. Um, <laughs> if we're if, if we're supposed to just believe what we see, <sighs> Ricky's story is like perfectly white. Like it's not. There's nothing wrong with what he did. It is just this like pure romance. I mean, I guess the fact that he's already a spy, I guess we'll pass on the fact that he's already spying on these people and R- then injects himself into the situation. Ricky gets the benefit. <laughs> this, Ricky Tar is the James Bond of this film. And in every scene with a camera on him, and I don't think this is just the fact that Tom Hardy is on the camera. <laughs> um, it's weird how good he comes out out of all of it. No, he does. He um, does. And, and just in James Bond fashion, Irina doesn't end real good for her. No. No, not at all. No, he's the perfect James Bond analog. But it's just funny because the movie—the movie is literally—it's—it's it's, um, Smiley hearing Ricky say all of these things and just taking them all at face value, like yeah. all of it at face value. We are. Well, we learn. I think uh, the core thing too about Ricky's component, uh, his his character, right? Like I think, and then we have to remember how this this scene kind of like winds up, right? Like is. Oh no! I guess that's. I guess that lines later on in the. In the where did, when does he say? I'm I not- want your word that you will get Arena back. And I don't care who you have to trade. And I am out. I want a family. Thank you. I do not want to end up like you, Lon. That's very near the end. Okay, very near that's the end. That's when they're doing the final play. Yes, 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 yes. He wants her out. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I just love the idea. I, I love that this is the only this is the only scene that makes me really question the camera yeah. in the movie because generally the camera reveals things that we wouldn't otherwise know. Correct. Like it shows control keeling over in what looks like may have very well been a self inflicted suicide. Okay. Uh, which is the only kind there is, I guess. Um, <laughs> and they have, um, like. In, in like a in like hospice care or something like the camera the camera is supposed to be a revealed truth in some sense <clears throat> but Ricky's story is the only place where it doesn't seem like that might be true because everything about Ricky is flattering um, even though the work he does is very dirty he always he, he literally gets the girl no he gets coming out smelling like roses like, on this yes no but he the jacks a, he jacks a car and there's like not he literally just walks into the car yeah but he but i think uh, rather than the um in the scene with smiley he says like i know what i am to the circus right and this is okay so there's two things there's two really great little little nuances here for me right like i mean it, what you guys have mentioned is really great as well where he says um he says to George, who, by the way, is in a marriage where his wife is currently estranged from him. <laughs> he says, He once told me to trust my instincts about women, Mr. Smiley. Well, my instincts told me this woman had some treasure. And I love that line, the idea that, you oh, know, like, yeah. yeah, like, you know, like, like George is given. I think she had a secret in yeah, her. Yeah, I think she has a secret in her. And how did you intend to get this? Secret out of her. So he plays her, right? Like he tries to play her, and she's like, you know, I'm not going to be played. Well, he's very like out of everyone. Like he's like young and fucking ambitious. Yeah. Well, that's what he says, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, in a way that like nobody else is. I mean, I, I guess like you know, Benedict is eager to please, but he's not like out in harm's way. Well, he says, I'm, I'm someone. Even though the 
the scene of him stealing book pages would tell you otherwise. <laughs> but for Tar, right? Like he says, I'm someone you hand your dirty little jobs to. I guess I just wanted to bring this in for myself, right? Like I wanted I wanted to 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 move beyond and prove capable capable beyond my station. Yeah. Right? But for like I think there's like a tone of like you know, like the, the the rigidness within British society and class system that is kind of displayed within this, right? Like, mm-hmm. good look, clearly good looking <laughs> guy, you know, like ambitious, smart, capable, but re- restricted because he's probably a dock worker's son or some shit like that, right? Like he's yeah, yeah he's lower on the totem pole and Paul. limited as a result. And he's like, no, I like I fucking can do this. I'm going to bring this in, and in this opportunity that he saw before himself, not merely that. It would unlock something better for himself, not merely, and we'll maybe give him the benefit of the doubt that he had and developed feelings for this woman and wanted to, and saw his own salvation and her salvation, you know, all the bullshit psychologicalisms of this, right? Like we are led to believe that we should at least feel he is genuine in his desire why? Because he doesn't want to fucking do this anymore. He's like, I fucking want out. Like, get me the fuck out of this life. And I think that's one of like, the best things about this, right? Like, I think that, like, unlike Ricky, he's, he, he's like, I'm fucking done. Like, get me the fuck out of this, please. And that's why I think he's, his character, I think, ends up being why we bought why the genuineness you feel for that character at the, in this middle section of the film pays off later on cuz he's like get me the fuck out of here i want fucking out well, cuz he also knows it's like as soon as something goes wrong they fucking he gets cut loose first yep i he's, mean he's, it's a tough position to be in he's very close to the ground yeah yeah he has to talk to real people and he and he you know has the unfortunate self awareness to realize yeah, that yeah <laughs> it's rough well i mean who who is the most grounded person that smiley ever talks to it's probably ricky yeah. and ricky already is tied up in the, Ricky has to lie more often than anybody else. That's so, because he's interacting. He's like on the ground. Yeah, yeah. he's li- he's in host- he's in literal hostile yeah. territory. Yeah, it's, that's the most grounded perspective Smiley has. Mm-hmm. Is that guy? Yep. So yeah, I, it's very hard to see how Smiley could be leading a well-rounded <laughs> life in mm-hmm. that world, and uh, Anne seems to have taken note of that. Um, as comes up several other times here, but we'll get to it. Um, so, at this point, we enter the climax of the film. Smiley asks Peter Gwillem to go back in. <laughs> for, up a, he's going up a floor. For the officer's logbook. Oh. Which means he has to check in his bag, and he has to go into the library, and he has to shuffle some papers around. And the scene is so absurd. What's... The thing that I keep thinking of every time I rewatch this scene is that is, Melissa McCarthy movie is what <laughs> that and just what would actually happen if he got caught? Yeah. Like there's no indication of the cir- the circus even having security. Like there's the old guy at the gate like there's no I mean, one. but it's like pers- It's like the personal shame of doing it cuz it's not like they're going to execute him. No, yeah. I mean, you are you- it is almost once again. It is. It is as if the collapse of the facade is the pun. Is is, is yeah. both yeah. the cause yeah. and punishment. It is. I'm tell, I'm telling you. There's this. There's this thing about lying <laughs> that, that is that that does something to people. And like I said, being being caught out or proven in the lie. Right. Like you, you don't need to prove the truth that someone 
has done something, you simply need to prove that they're lying about it, right? Like that's that's the that's the dynamic within this, and and it is we are led to believe in this film that this is truly the the destruction of someone, right? Like now it, you're like stealing from the government, or at least proving that you're not trustworthy to not do that. Like it's it's despite fucking, working for the government. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> despite, despite the fact that you're proving the fact that someone working in the government is fucking lying. Well, I, I, there's once again there's, there, there's like so there's like so much like po- palatial regalia to uphold at and, this point. And just none of that matters in the exact <laughs> moment he's switching the files. Yeah. Like none of that matters. Like he's in the mission, he has to get this thing like here, here, swap get the bag they have this thing where they set up like this ex special agent guy who's like pretending to be a mechanic and they swap the papers and then Toby Esterhaus comes in pulls him in to one of the orange truth zones yeah safe let, in here buddy to let Peter Willem have it I'm talking to you about a defector from your own damn section I'm accusing you of consorting with an enemy agent behind my back don't damn well shrug at me Although that's preceded by <laughs> Toby giving one of his signature, uh, his signature jokes, because uh, was uh, Peter says like, "So what have you been getting up to down there these days, apart from chasing our virgins?" A couple of Arab ploys that look quite promising. Apart from that, are getting quite good at ping pong. Arabs, you can rent one, but you can't buy one, right, Bill? No one says anything. No one reacts. And Percy just keeps talking. Yeah. It's so fucking good. By the way, Percy is, of course, played by Toby Jones. I don't know if we mentioned that or Toby not. Toby Jones. Toby Jones from Barbarian Sound Studio. I'm a big I'm a big Toby Jones fan. Oh, yeah. I think he's a great, a great actor. And I love Barbarian Sound Studio. And he's great as this <laughs> conniving career asshole in this yeah. film. He's a really great asshole in this film. No, absolutely. An anti-charismatic leader. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, in, in the truest sense, right? And But once again, right, like, like you know, Gwillem, Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, chill, relaxed, easy, you know. Yeah. But also, right, like, really, you know, bringing up the fact that, like, so I, lo- I looked up the quote, right, and it's actually from another ben- Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch production Sherlock where someone asks uh, Mycroft right like don't you trust your own secret service and he's like of course not they all spy on people for money yeah. you know? like, like why would we trust <laughs> these mercenaries yeah, for like, fuck's why sake. the fuck would I trust these liars <laughs> and you know but Gwillem is the opposite right like casual you know like you know like well have you heard from Ricky Tarr and you know like at this point we're past the Ricky Tar scene, right? But yeah. he's already uh, snuck back in and talked to Smiley. Yes. Yeah. We know that he's honest because we saw it on camera. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the camera showed us that yeah. Ricky Tar is being genuine. And but it's still like Smiley kept Ricky Tar segregated from Gwillem for what we find out a specific reason. Yeah. And it is this reason of the interrogation, which is like, hey, you knew or ran Ricky Tar as a spy. Would it be surprised? Would you be surprised that his bank account had, you know, a large? I'm assuming pounds. a large amount of money in 1970s yeah. money. Millions More than a poor person is supposed to have in their bank yeah. account. But, there you go. Right. Yeah. Like he has what he. He's not a have. hedge fund manager. He's not allowed to no. have that much yes, money. Exactly. And in the pre-game stop world, he could. He, he's not. You know, he's not supposed to have that. Yeah. Right? yeah. So. You know, uh, Cumberbatch laughs it off, um, and they say you shouldn't be laughing this off, and he's like, well, then I'll get indignant, and that's (laughs) how this works. I haven't been seeing him. 
So get your facts straight and get off my back. Credit to, I, I think Cumberbatch's star has shown adequately. I think he's been in enough films. Doctor Strange made him plenty of money. I think he's a, I think he's a good actor, and I think he's extremely well cast in this particular role. Because, I thought he was great in this because he is, he is supposed to be enigmatic. Like you're mm-hmm. not supposed to entirely know what he's up to, mm-hmm. and his face is the kind of face that you can't trust. Yep. So I, it, that that checks out. Um, and he's he's forced to perform a range here. Like he has to, he has to be accommodating but cold. Yep. Like he has to do. No, this. he's great. He's great as like basically like a fucking bureaucrat. That's in that respect. Like he's not going to get his hands like physically dirty, mm-hmm. but like he can get his hands like dirty in the, the office playing politics. Yep. Yep. And, and he's he- gay again. Which <sighs> look at some point if you're going to get cast this many times, <laughs> I feel like someone's saying something. So. Cumberbatch gets out of the circus with the information, brings it over to Smiley, and who is, of course, with Smiley when Benedict Cumberbatch brings the information that just happens to confirm everything. Ricky Tar. Yeah. 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 So the pages were actually like sliced out of the schedule book Mm -hmm. to be kept quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On the day. Yep. So, but but now we've got an issue, right? Like, what happened on? But yeah, this like now day? we have like physical proof something's being covered up. Yes. So, what happened on like this there's day? Physical pages being cut. But before, what happened on that day? I think we have to. What, what do we do before we find out what happens on the day? Because he go visits he go visits the squirrely guy with the with like at the at the casino for some reason. He's like, um, uh, the duty officer. Yeah, the duty officer. Uh, before that happens, a scene that actually is in the bottom twenty scenes. I think. Um, <laughs> oh yes, Oldman, Oldman, and Cumberbatch have a heart to heart. I love that you knew what I was talking about. Great, yeah. This is the perfect fucking TV show horseshit. Yes. So when show not tell. Like yes. the whole point of having a camera is that you get to show things. You don't have to say them. Mm-hmm. And this movie's been great about showing you things like people's faces instead of having them say things out loud and in this scene which is done better I, this is like the one scene that I think the miniseries is better at yep. because they actually have Patrick Stewart play Carla yeah in a scene with Alec Guinness and they have Gary Oldman act out the proceedings of trying to convince Carla to come to the west yeah they, and they don't show it in, fa- in flashback which would have been that I, would have been great. I think that would have been better. Yep, I and, agree. And again, this director's me, cut. This is something <laughs> they've done it. They've done it in like every prestige TV show that I've seen, where they they try to convey this like incredibly harsh situation, this intense, brutal thing, through the emotions of a character narrating their experience, and it always sucks. Yep. And this is no exception. Like, yeah. like Gary Oldman is—he does as good a job as he's he good. can. He's good, but it's just not like the, the only good thing that comes out of this is that he has this scene burned into his mind. <laughs> like, yes. it's, he's fucking—he talks about the lighter and lighter. the fact that he couldn't get off of his wife. All my love, like all, yeah, just from f- Anne. All of this, the, be- the best line is the last one. What does he look like? I can't remember. so beautiful this ghost this fucking specter of Smiley's entire life haunts him yeah literally haunts him like it's his permanent foe always one step ahead of him 
doesn't even fucking remember what he yeah. looks like. Yeah. No. He's the, a literal phantom. Yeah. It. It will all everything that Carla is right. Like 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 amalgamates into the idea of Carla himself, right? To where you you literally you can't see through it to see clearly who this person was, right? <laughs> and you know your experience. It's 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 not a it's not a great. There's another little little detail. Um, okay, so one of the features of um, of system spy movies, which usually distinguish them between accidental and super spy movies, is that um, within this little scene, there is a great line where he says, you know, he's trying to convince Carla to come in. He's like, you know, you know we're not so different, you and I. <laughs> we both spend our lives looking for the weaknesses in one another's systems. And in a lot of Le Carre's work and in Graham Greene's work, there's this idea that, like, there might be great ideological differences. Hell, there might even be actual value differences between the societies which are under this systemic conflict between them. But we as spies, we're just horrible people who lie for a living, and that's what <laughs> that's what binds us to. We're not we're not that different, right? And in the end, that's why you know, like, if I could give you some money and you could come on over to our side. You'd be doing the same thing for us, right? Like, there's not a real. You'd be lying for one side or the other. Really? Yeah. Does it matter? You know, if you're in the game, does it matter what team you're playing for? You know, like there's there's an idea of that within system spy movies that are clearly lacking, right? Like, like accidental and super spy movies rely on the fact that there's a clearly defined good or bad guy, right? And in very much like with Connie Sachs, right? Like. It was clear that, you know, it was clear then, right? There was a white and a black hat, right? Like, but system spy movies, there's a grayness, there's, um... Because all these people are bad. They're fucking, because they lie for... They yeah. Li <laughs> they're all bad because they lie for a living. So, um, the last thing I did want to kind of bring up before we move on from this, too, is one of my... Where the fuck are we in the plot, David? Help me out here. What? Uh, we're reminiscing about Carla. Uh, and the line that you were looking We don't for, know what Carla looks like, because he's is, just a phantom in our past. Well, the line that I missed is that we're looking for the weaknesses in each other. We both spend our lives looking for the weaknesses in one another's systems. Don't you think it's time to recognize there is as little worth on your side as there is on mine? Yes. Oh, the British aren't ready to let go of that worth Just yet. Fucking yeah. telling on themselves yes. so hard. Yep. And this was in '55. This was like <laughs> yeah. so long ago. This was like years and years. Like I said, ago. it's really hard to accept that your empire is fucking dying. Yep. <laughs> Carla, Carla was a defector. Yep. And became the head of the KGB in the time since Smiley. Recognized how fucking stupid his job is, yep. <laughs> and he's still there. Yes. He's still doing it. Absolutely. <sighs> and what I, does that got to do to a guy, Ryan? I think okay. Well, and it it leads us once again. I think Ricky Tar is is the kind of is is the emotional crux of the film, and I'm not just saying that because I'm incredibly attracted to the actor that portrays him in the Who film, isn't? but like the. One of the one of the reasons I like the genre of spy movies is that regardless of whether which typology we're in or which typology dominant movie we're in, one of my favorite things about spy movies is, you know, in, if if I'm anything, I'm an academic. If anything, I'm I'm prone to overemphasizing grand grand ideas about human nature. But I think that fundamentally, what is great and and the essential tension of spy movies is the desire to be believed. 
And this is at the core, right? Like if, you, if, if the core of your being is lying. And I think that like why, you know, why are Mission Impossible Bond movies, born, born movies, born. Why, why did these come about so much in, in our, in our generation? Right. Like for, you know, for zoomers and millennials, right. Like the, the anxiety of imposter syndrome is, is a reality, right? Like the idea that you are pretending to be someone. There really is a thing with a certain class. Of I assume people. I don't feel it. I mean, but no, I'm, I don't I'm either, but I, I, like, I've seen your significant others posts on there's the an inherent <laughs> idea within the, like, I was shocked that like, well, I was a college professor and I, I can say that in the past tense. Now when I was a college professor, <laughs> I was shocked. Now you're just that, like, a full-out leftist, not yeah. a pretend ideological one. Yeah, I, I, I got a. You're I, a leftist for money now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Fucking a. I'm a true yeah. leftist. True leftist. I, did I sell in? No, I bought in. Yeah. You fucking yeah. cocksuckers. Fuck this ideologue. Fuck that. Bullshit. God damn. We should, just because I'm a leftist doesn't mean I don't deserve to make a living. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. Well, being a leftist is all about that money, baby. And I wasn't gonna get there by podcasting. <laughs> So not if I have anything to say about this fucking this fucking no money making guy over here, and I'm only a guest, you know. Anyway, David hates promotion. It's fine. Correct. But I was no, I mean I. But it was not something I was sympathetic to, and a lot of what I did as a professor was trying to let people know that, like, you know, there is a lot of work, but you can do this, right? Like that, like you don't don't feel there's nothing I know that you can't learn. But regardless, right, like, I think that the core idea of what is fascinating and why Ricky Tarr is so great is because he wants to be believed. And in a realm where we all feel that we're lying all the time, what I really feel the core tension and humanity within spy movies is the fucking desire for someone to believe in you, to, to believe you, to t- not to believe in you, right, but to simply believe that you are telling them the truth, and it is a well, when you're lying all the time. How do you convince someone that you're that, not lying? And that is the core tension within spy movies, right? That is <laughs> that is Ricky Tarr's dilemma within this, and he only it, it is. El- and he's putting himself in a position too because he's a little like you know overzealous. Like now he has to fucking convince them that that was like for like honest reasons. Well, and and also too, right? Like Ricky Tarr is a bad spy, right? Like his essential strategy is to simply give himself totally. And without reservation to Smiley, and to simply hope that Smiley, by Believe giving him. Smiley, yeah, but th- yeah. It, by giving Smiley what he wants, he will allow me to well, get. He's what in a I dangerous want. position if Smiley doesn't. Yes, exactly. But he, but he feels he has nothing left, and in a sense, he's a bad spy. But I think qu- the core of this emotional transition of Ricky Tarr and why he appears at the, at literally, you know, the the dramatic crux of the film is. His is we're told to believe that is that his feelings for the Russian spy Irena, I believe, Irena, Irena, Irena Irena are genuine, right? Like we're led to believe that his desire to leave the circus, and I'll say it now that we're coming to this scene, right? Like I do not want to end up like you lot, right? Like I want a family, and what is a family than a group of people who trust and believe each other? Yeah, it's hard to have a good family life if you're constantly fucking lying. And of course, what does George not have? A family. <laughs> so no kids, no wife. Yeah, no. he doesn't have any kids that love him. So I, I, I do, I do 
love the I do love this idea, right? Like, and I think that there is something fundamental to this, right? This like Cassandra. There's a you know, there's a reason. There's there's a classical not trope, right? But there's a, <laughs> there's a classical <laughs> mythology, right? There's a reason. There's a reason the Greeks invented the idea of a of the Cassandra curse, right? The person who tells the truth but is cursed that no one will believe her, yeah. right? Like, th- this is, no, this that's is like so the wor- great. That's the worst position to be in because, mm-hmm. like, you should have, like, you should have, like, the moral high ground on your side, and it, but it doesn't do you any good, like, because everyone around you is corrupt. And, of course, <laughs> what what is the Bible quote which festoons the, the, the shithouse of Langley, Virginia? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free and these, these <laughs> that's such bullshit have you ever seen a whistleblower you'd truth only does not fucking set you free in a bureaucracy you boy. would only have to live in the in the hypocrisy <laughs> of america to have that on your spy agents it is, it is like they knew what they were doing i mean <laughs> like you know i mean you got to realize most of it was run by, by by mormons and 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 hoover yeah and hemophiliac uh uh uh, uh blue bloods pr- presbyterians and yeah. dulles was doing they were brothers like oh it's so creepy (laughs) and that's who they were appealing to that's who the british aspired yeah to get in bed with yeah they're still trying to get in bed with us even though we're like oh who are you yeah all right we're still desperate for british listeners we got rid of our fucking executive branch with the crazy hair come on now catch up what and cut that. All right, so <laughs> so we're uh, so we're um, so Smiley meets with uh, Preda. Uh, I mean, I guess there's the scene with the duty officer where Hayden basically establishes his cover. Yes. Um, he uh, he learns that Jim has been shot, and the only fun part about this is that uh, while they're piecing this all together, uh, the ticker tape goes out. Jim Preto has been shot, and there's this whole thing going on, and Hayden shows up at like 1.30 in the morning. Right. He got a message in his club. Yep. And we think that Bill Hayden must be the traitor because... 1.30, the ticker tape wouldn't have been running. So how did he know? Jesus, Peter. Jesus Christ, Bill Hayden, how could he have known? It's not what you think. Then how did he know? Because he was at my house that night. Banging his wife, <laughs> right? And we're then like shown, you know, like broader scenes of this, which is that Bill Hayden, Colin Firth, you know, the second most attractive man in the film. In uh, the whole yeah, if Nicole world. wasn't here, she'd second that for sure. Yeah. Um, but right, like we're shown that there is this um, because there's there's an essential there's a there's a, a party like an office party scene which we haven't mentioned yet have we this no, office we party mentioned oh my god this is top 20 fun. yeah easy absolutely of the scenes of this film there's three acts to it and there's two great songs <laughs> as well uh the russian national the russian anthem uh, the soviet the anthem of the soviet union and um a, a swinger swinger ding jing, jingle i guess right like the second the second best the secret, secret agent in the whole wide world yeah um but it's. it's I don't know the, if we've mentioned this movie's really good. It's fucking phenomenal, <laughs> and but in these in in these uh, in this office party scene, right? We are intentionally kind of shown once again shown not told, right? Like yeah. through cuts, camera work, glances, and acting, the relationships between characters. Um, you know, we're we're shown our only glimpses of Anne, which are always in profile or from the back. She's clearly shown as being. 
you know, exotic and extravagant, but yet somehow unattainable, mainly because we never see her direct, directly on um, in, 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 the, in, on, in a scene. She's too honest for us to know what her face looks yes, like. Yes, well, I think she, once again, she might not be capable of of the of, of the self deception necessary uh, to exist in Smiley's world and his wife, right? Like, what are her qualities? I, I would argue that she is like, you know, more of a creature of sensuality or, or sensation rather than of in, intellectual dishonesty. But um, <laughs> but we're also, you know, it's like, like show modes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, let's simplify this or we're never going to get through this fucker. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so Bill Hayden looks at Anne directly and says, I would love to have sex with you. Yes. Even with, if you're married to my boss. With, with his eyes. Yeah. Yes. And we're, and we're like, all right. You know, like. Yeah. And then um, George looks over and uh, he doesn't say any of that. Yes. You know. But but clearly, right, like like being able to distinguish the potential damning information that Bill, like how and why did Bill Hayden know to show up when Jim, the night Jim Prito was shot? And it was simply because he was with Anne. George Smiley's wife that night, and that's how he knew. Yeah, and so we're then. This is a great cover story. Yep, and we're and we move forward with with the, with the, the plot. Um, now, uh, because of the information Cumberbatch has gotten, and with the information from the duty officer of what happened the night, uh, so we filled in the gaps. But mm. Smiley has pieced together that Jim Preto, in fact, survived his ordeal in Hungary. How does he figure out where he is right now? I forgot. I don't think they tell us. No. But anyway. Um, well, as the audience, we know he's teaching young schoolboys. Yeah, yes. absolutely. We don't know how Surreptitiously from a caravan in a parking lot somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a great scene. There's <laughs> <laughs> a great scene. There's a top 20 scene of um, Jim Prito. With his uh, class, yeah, with his class yeah, driving right. around with an Alvis. Yes, the kids, his old the, ass car. Yeah, the kids are driving around this field, and the professor's like, "Keep up, you know, <laughs> like let, the, let this let this nine year old drive a car through a field." Yeah, and Bill Roach is driving the car, and then they get out, and uh, Jim spots George Smiley off in the distance, and mm-hmm. calls Bill over. Say, yeah, who's that fella down there? I don't know, sir. Who is he? Beggar man? Thief? Why doesn't he look this way? Hmm? Wouldn't you if you saw a bunch of boys flogging a car around a field? And that in and of itself apparently is cause for suspicion. <laughs> because why, David? <laughs> what? Because why? Look. All right. <laughs> okay. It's such a stupid little scene. Oh. He might steal the Alvis. Yeah. And, what, the, and the Alvis is? The best car in England, sir. Good luck. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a <laughs> it's such a little little gem of a scene within that. But then we're immediately led into what becomes right like the last really pe- the last real piece of the puzzle. Um, oh, the last main puzzle piece for Smiley in this. So he and Prudo have a conversation, and Prudo describes after being shot, being taken back to the Soviet Union, being tortured rather horrendously, <laughs> and yeah. ho- and yeah, holding and, out. And we also 
He doesn't know who Arena is, but yep. Arena does not suffer a great fate at the end of this. Yeah, the last little piece of his torture is to is essentially say like watching you, her get shot in the head because he doesn't know who she is. Yep. Do you know who this woman? You know, like Carla. You know, Carla comes in. Do you know this woman? Preto's like you've been nope. torturing me for however I don't remember because I can't see sunlight or or, or sunlight. So no. And uh, yeah, then he just She's, executes her yeah. right in front of him. Yeah. So you get to watch that. Yeah. Um and. Preto is, which, which is again, that's that's another amazing thing where that seems like just that just seems like stochastic violence mm -hmm. on the first watch. Yep. But the whole reason he's doing that is because if anybody knows <laughs> who Arena is, Arena was the defector from Boris. And yep. Carla would potentially know that. So if Jim knows who Arena is, that would mean that they're farther along in the plot, and they're not. Yes. So Carla knows that they don't know this. Yep. And then they kill her anyway. Yep. Um, it's real tough it's, to be a woman at a spy film. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> a great movie on the third watch. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, but in the end, right, the last little exchange that, that, that Preto and Smiley have is Smiley asks, you yeah, know. Preto gets to clean up all of Smiley's work. Yeah. And well, he, well, you know, he's like, you know, like I, you know, you, you know, what was your last line of defense, right? Because you're being tortured, right? Like, and this, you know, like I like the honesty within this, which is like, you know, like you're being physically tortured, you know, like you're going to give up the goods at some point. And it's like, just understood that like, yes, you're going to give up the goods at some point. <laughs> Not so, sure yeah. when, but well, we'll get there. Yeah, what is the last thing you're going to give up? And, you know, <laughs> well, Credo's like, well, I tells him, <laughs> Smiley said, what did you tell them? Everything. Everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was being tortured. Like, yeah. what? I told them probably even more than that. Yeah. So essentially, right? Like, we, and this is, I think, why, like, why Prudo is not back, right? Like, because he survived, right? Like, you think, like, oh, we thought you were dead. Like, welcome yeah. back. Like, no, Prudo is excised from the community of the circus. And the reason is, is because he gave up his network. Yeah, because he got caught and yeah. then he gave it up. So he can't obviously go back. But he also not only gave up his Hungarian network, right? But he gave up what he felt was the last line of defense. And that was Control's crazy theory <laughs> that there is a Russian mole right at the top of the circus, Jim. And what is, what is surprising to Jim Preto, right? Like they didn't even give a shit. Carla already knew. Yeah. 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 Who put him there? Yeah. <laughs> Who fucking put the mole there? And then we're, you know, and then he is, you know, seemingly he is released or traded for some reason and he's back in the UK and then, you know. Like, yeah, living surreptitiously. Yeah. Well, and we also, we also sort of glossed over a moment there, which I think results in a later scene that we'll probably also gloss over where uh, Jim talks about I held on for as long as I could to let everyone get the hell out of there. Did they? My network's in Hungary, did they get out? No, they were blown. The story is you blew them to save your own skin. And his sacrifice, ultimately, Jim's sacrifice was to play defector in some sense like that was the thing that he provided to the British uh, secret service yeah. was to be a rat but um, it doesn't take that well but, but, it's, yeah. it, but it's so strange right like you if you'd run enough people who had been tortured you'd know they'd eventually give up the goods yeah it's it's I mean it, it seems strange like just thinking through it it seems strange 
that they were left in place for as long as they were in the hopes that like what like he was dead already and that he couldn't give them up but no it turns out he was alive and we didn't plan for it so right like I mean, the he- what's the hedge, right? Like, of, of, like <laughs> the people who are, aren't Jim Preto who then take over the Hungarian network, right? Like, it seems like they hedged a little, a little bit in the wrong direction there. Anyway, I, I just you know makes makes a little weird sense to me too. I think the other thing I'm, I'm remembering here, um, when I think later Smiley's describing what Preto is, is he says he had to become a lotus eater, um, <laughs> which in my fanciful dalliance with um, BC Chinese history it's a great little idea of you know um, you know in these in the in Chinese mythology a hero you know in a Gilgamesh like quest right like mm-hmm. like stumbles upon and they and, the, and eating the lotus um, you know uh, you you lose all your memories and okay. then you enter this like I think in um the Odyssey uh, or the Iliad it's the um, the ones that are eating the, the like poppies the, um, and they're just in the like Kind of yeah, or they well they know they they reach the the island of the sirens and they're yeah. they're like lost in in bliss and pleasure because well, it's they've like forgotten. it's like heroin island yeah. it's like you're not going to participate but you're totally happy where you are yeah you've lost your memory and have come yeah. I love that little yeah line like there. it feels good right here and I know it's totally bullshit but it feels good man yeah a boarding school teacher had to be a lotus eater forget your past and break. So you mentioned the the Stalinist and the like general credibility of the left after World War II. I remember one of these weird interviews, and it was like only you know only old people can be this honest. And um, it was with a Jewish person. They were like, well, "Why are you a communist?" And I think this was filmed in like the '60s or something. And he's like, he's like, "Well, you know, I was in such and I was in a prison camp. I was at a." you know, camp in, in Poland or something. I don't think it was Dachau or what, you know, I think it was a famous one, but he's like, I was a, yeah. I was in a camp in, in Poland and the Soviet army came. And so I lived in the Soviet union for a long time. And I realized that, you know, like the people that came in and treated us well and saved us were very different than the people that, that, that mutilated my genitals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, he's like, you know, like I have to, you know, when I want to write, I I hand things over to a a committee to review my writing before it gets published. Um, And he's like, he's like, that's worth it. You know, like, and that's what's, you know, when, you know, when Lenin said the choices, you know, between communism and, and barbarism, right? Like there's a, there's a clarity to that, that I don't think that like, Americans with the benefit of an ocean between that choice, (laughs) you know, really understood the import to it, you know, or, you know, and that's, that's been the like classic tale of Americanism, right? Like, like, like being shocked of, of politics outside the norm of media. It's, they can't seem to adapt fucking pussies. I'm not taking any of this apple brandy home with us, by the way. Okay. (laughs) Cheers. Anyway, Smiley meets with Lakin and the prime minister, and um, he basically tells them that they've been fools. Witchcraft's intelligence is genuine. It's been gold. It's just enough glitter amongst the chicken feed. Control didn't believe in miracles and he didn't believe in witchcraft, but you were lazy and you were greedy and so you hounded him out of the circus and you let Carla in. Good lines. I mean, I will... Great lines. Yeah, great lines. A top 20 line. Um, in a top 20 scene. 
Um, but that, that scene's over pretty quickly. Uh, Smiley does a bit of a Sherlock after that. There's like some train tracks and some, <laughs> there's some audio going on. I will, I will defend the scene because of the, as I said before, there's a lot of, there are moments in the scene that are meant to allow us to reflect and think and movies rarely provide us that space to actually like to try to process what the fuck is going on. And for people that are used to being told and not shown, you know, like the idea that there would be 30 seconds in a film where it's like, Hey, we just told you something important, but not in a direct, clear manner. So why don't you just like take some sleep on it? Yeah. Like take a few seconds while we, you know, like take a breather. Meditate on it. Yeah. Like hold just before we move on to the next important scene, like, are you sure you got all what you needed from that? Everything the circus thinks is gold is shit. And that proceeds to uh, them picking up Esterhaus. Mm-hmm. And uh, this scene is really funny to me. Esterhaus is one of the, the main lackeys in the orange room with Control at the beginning. And in particular, Control has, has an amount of contempt for this person that is because it's such great casting you you already know is deserved <laughs> you know like he has he just has these lines and my favorite I'll just say it because it's one of my favorite bits of acting in it when they're debating about the genuineness of witchcraft early on uh, with control as as Toby's introduced and it says you know we need to be uh, Esterhaus says some line of like so, it's just oh, this bullshit line in meetings where it's like we need to decide if we want to be part of the past or part of the future I should have left you where I found you <laughs> and that just ends the, like ends the meeting you know like his fucking hatred for this asshole <sighs> but it is this but it is this individual, which once again in the series is more is more developed because Esther House is an assumed identity of this Central European turncoat connect. It's he's a weird character even in the series. Yeah, no, I, he is I, I, he is a low criminal. Yeah, who is found by control. I don't know if it's specifically during the war or not, but he um yeah he he has been playing both sides. He is. He, he was sleeping in a museum. Yes, when control picked him up. <laughs> um, but it's like it's, oh, it's, Jesus. it's one of the things. So when I was in political science, you know, in political science, and you, you know, you're like, like, do you want to make this a career? And you have like, like, question. And one of the things is, is that there is this, there is a track to like working for the government, either in, either in diplomacy or in intelligence. But one of the the key things you need is like languages and it's a like you need to be able to like communicate with a lot of people in a clear and concise fashion. And it, it's a it's apparent that like I think in the series it makes it clearer that and like this is like a Est- Twitter account, I'm assuming. Yeah. But this was like <laughs> Esther House's in, right? Like his ability to like communicate his his weird he, he was connected and had a really adapted way with like language. And <laughs> he's, he's- but but in English, but he's but other but in the other qualities that would make a good spy, you know, like he's a fucking ethnic minority. Yes, <laughs> yeah, in the in the group, he's a white guy. Yes, in because in Europe that was like, dude, my grandma was old school racist. You know, like they were all white, but she hated Italians. <laughs> like, come on. But yeah, any, he's but literally that. So they they abduct him essentially. Yeah, they're like, let's go for a ride. Yeah, and he's like. Oh, 
okay, because he's he hasn't a shit seen Smiley. Spy. He hasn't seen Smiley since Smiley left. He's like, oh, hi, hi, George. Yes. Um, they just drive him. They just drive him out yeah, to what, this airstrip. Whatever are we doing on this airstrip, George? <laughs> and if ever there was a top twenty scene, this would be one of them. Oh. Um, of the fucking the car drives away this... and a plane lands. In, in all in one cut. I, I did not know. Are you still a wanted man, Toby? George, I didn't know. I just, you, you picked the wrong side. No, you've got to believe me, George. Please. I am loyal. I, I am loyal. And and as their conversation develops, right, the, the the plane which will take him to where he does not want to go lands and comes right in and and it is I mean it's 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 a big cock scene, There's right? A lot like, of bargaining. Yeah, no, it's a big cock scene, right? Like the director is clearly saying, like, bring it, right? Like like, you know, like I'm waiting for my Oscar, like let's do this, <laughs> you know, like like you will you will lay it at my feet, but it is, but it is an intense and incredibly well set scene. I will, and, I will say. And it is, the scene ends with Smiley knowing that Esther Haas is just a messenger, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that Esther Haas is just the errand boy, which has always been his job. He's always been the little guy in the background who takes care of dirty job. He's like one level above Peter Gwillem, but not really. Like he's really just kind of the liaison between the yeah, fifth. They're and just the other using force. him because he can speak languages. And and it's and it's Smiley's clear contempt for him <laughs> that convinces Esterhouse that he would that if Esterhouse doesn't give him what he wants, he will send him to a horrible fate. Right? Like there's a there's a there's an honest there's an honesty to the relationship there that only comes out that didn't need setup there, and once again, the acting I think is real is a part of this also. And that that corruption is revealed in Esther Haas's last line mm-hmm. in the movie, which I am loyal. Yes, which he's choking through tears to say, <laughs> and because what he did the thing like he was again it was like the the worship of the institution. Mm-hmm. Of the surf of the circus, control stopped representing it at some point. At some point, control lost his mind, and he had to choose sides. And he chose the new order that seemed to believe in the British more than control, because control clearly is this disillusioned old fart who doesn't even like really stand for anything anymore. And he chose this other side, and. His whole life, Esterhaus has clearly been run, and this is, I'm sure this is fleshed out more in the book, but even in the movie. Like, what is loyal? Like, what is loyalty Loyalty mean to here? what? Mm-hmm. Like, what is, what does it actually mean? Because, and I understand it's really easy to read too much into this kind of thing, because it is really just a moment of emotional, like, distension, and, like, everything is contradicting itself. But, I mean... He's loyal. He was doing the he was doing the right thing. Yes. Well, he was doing the job they asked him. He was doing the right fucking thing, and now it landed him here. Yep. And that seems powerful. Again, a top twenty scene. Easy. Well, and it and like like you said, right? Like Esther House made the the false assumption that witchcraft and the institution of the circus were 
were one and the same, right? Like they, like they, they both had the same agenda somehow, that they serve the same purpose. And, you know, and for, for control, right? Like controls line, nothing is genuine anymore, right? Like, <laughs> like, like this, like the circus, <laughs> the circus will, will not rise and fall on the basis of a single source or a single piece of intelligence. And, you know, Toby, because of his career, you know, not Toby, um, Percy. Percy, because of his careerism. <laughs> I love Esther. this. It saves yeah. Toby Jones. Toby jo- and I the fucking not the Toby lo- in the movie. I love Toby Jones. <laughs> Toby Jones, not the Toby in the movie. Yes. No. <laughs> Percy, because of his careerism, right? Esther House, because of his, the insecurity of being an outsider in an insider's game, right? Like, no, he has to get along. He yeah. has, he's got nothing. Yeah, oh. it's a tough, it's a tough position. Well, and, and then, but then it, you... By by af- after about your eighth viewing of this, right? Like <laughs> you really you really begin to see the 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 subtlety that Le Carre has built into his world, right? Like the 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 the, the structure of this story is is quite quite well developed and well thought out in the end. But Esther House is a pawn, and like many pawns, right? He's going to get on passant, or he's going to get driven, and if he dies, it is only one point. Uh, off the off your tally. And I believe Esterhaus is a pawn on Control's board. Yes. So yes, exactly. And he is dealt with accordingly, which then, of course, leads Smiley to finalize his gambit. Right, and this utilizes the assets he has under his control, which is knowledge and Ricky Tar. Because you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have some influence over Tom Hardy, you're gonna use him. <laughs> And he does, right? So he sends him to Paris. <laughs> he sends him to Paris, which I mean is is you know I get it, but he sends him to Paris. That's and where the line that you keep bringing up comes from. Is like I don't want to end up like you lot. Yes. If I go to Paris. Yeah. If if, if yeah, because you're going to Paris. Okay. If If I go to Paris, I want Iren. I want Irena. I want I want that Russian girl I fell in love with back. I want the Russian girl, and then I want out. Yes, I want out. I and want what you can't have, Smiley. Yes. Because which is you're fucking, still fucking doing this. You're still in here. Yep. You tried to retire. You spent like three months mm-hmm. in retirement. Keep and pulling you back in. Already back. Yep. You're corrupted. He he already wasted his chance as a family. What else has he got? And I think I think the I think having watched you know on my twelfth viewing of this right like it really (laughs) revealed. (laughs) I love this, David. I love this movie. Like this movie. I've seen it a lot. Yeah, I've seen True Grit more, but I've we haven't reviewed True Grit. I have never watched True Grit. That is a good movie. Nicole is a really good movie. That's a good movie. God damn, Coen Brothers. Um, this not the John Wayne horse shit. Yeah, no, the the, the Coen Brothers. True no, I, I know what you're talking about. I still so haven't the real seen heads it. Out there. The the act the young actress. It, anyway, so but um, but one of the I think one of the weird little nuances of that of Ricky Tars. So because the camera showed pr- us Preto's experience, and we saw through Preto's eyes Irena get killed. Mm-hmm. We cannot, we're, we are led to believe or at least assume that Tar's, amb- that Tar's ambition is ultimately futile, right? He yeah. might get out, but he won't have Irena. But, no. but Smiley, if he made that, if he made that deal, Smiley does not know that it was Irena that was killed in front of him, right? Because he would never know. It's, 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 it's left unclear, but it does make sense that neither Preto and Tar would have 
like that that information wouldn't have necessarily collided yep. so it's hard to say yeah it's it's hard to know for sure yeah it's it, it, given what Smiley is capable of deducing, it's not impossible that Smiley knows that Arena's dead. Yeah. But we don't know. But yes. it's, it's it's a bit of a stretch. It's hard to say yeah. that that information They killed crossed. a woman. That's clearly Arena. A bit of a stretch. Yeah. yeah. But this movie has made stretches like that. Like, this movie is a little loose on its deduction. But, and, I think, and I think more to the point, the movie is relaying that Smiley is... St- is a liar, right? That he would, that he, oh, yeah. no, if he had an inclination that that was the arena, he would still make the promise with the, with a likelihood that he could never fucking honor that to Ricky and getting him to go to Paris. No, absolutely. I mean, Smi- yeah. how on earth would Smiley accomplish that? Yep. Like it's not, even, yes, yeah. you're right. Even he, how is he going to do that? Yeah. Even e- yes, correct. Even in even in the simple logistics of the thing, it's unlikely. Given that he knows what he knows, it's even more unlikely. And yet he still makes the deal, so to speak, or makes the commitment to Tar. Yeah. And we're but in, in the end, Tar's fate is mysterious. He is he is phenomenally good when he goes to Paris. There's a <laughs> so the dynamic of the Paris setup is essentially that Tar reappears to the circus, right? Like, Tar, Tar has resurfaced in yeah. Paris by well, essentially... because he didn't reappear to the circus. He only reap, reappeared to Smiley Because initially. he's uniquely placed to look into this yeah. for us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. um, and Tar, like, right, right? Like, Tar... The only person... The only people who know where Tar... The only people who know where Tar is... That's... That sentence feels like it's conjugated incorrectly, so I'm just going to say it in a different way. The Russians might know where Ricky is, which is why he's bouncing from place to place. Mm. The British don't know where Ricky is until he shows up in Paris. And that's actually one of the weird things, you know, again, if this movie was four hours long, it would be able to revel in this a little bit more. But it's clear that the Russians have a much better lock on where Ricky is at any given point (laughs) than the British do. Mm Mm-hmm. Which seems like a problem. Yeah. Um, given that they're one step ahead of Ricky all the time, uh, they abduct his girlfriend, they kill his liaison in uh, Istanbul. Like, the Russians are always on it, which is an interesting thing because Le Carre is currently getting flack for being um, part of the Russia conspiracy that's been going on, the oh, okay. Russia fervor, the anti Russia fervor specifically that's going on in the United States. I think that's overblown given that no one reads and I don't know how the fuck you would even <laughs> believe like, like for fuck's sake this is one of my favorite movies of all time and I haven't read the book for it I don't know I've how never you can... read it I remember like having Le Car books around the house as a child because uh, our dad read them but I never I never picked I picked up some of the Crichton books I picked up some of the Clancy books I never picked up any of the Le Car books I think in in execution, Lacar is Lacare is a little pedestrian, but I think in 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 understanding this the the complexities of psychology, I think he's one of the best spy writers. There's a reason he's famous. Let's be fucking uh, frank. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. But I, I but I, I will take your word <laughs> for it. In a, in a literary sense, I think he's a little pedestrian. Please go on, Professor. Absolutely. But, in, but I mean, cons- anyone that pumps out like that many 
novels and paperback has to be a bit pedestrian yeah, he could just have, to get that kind of spread. Yeah, formulaically as, and stylistically, yeah. he sh- he could have taken a little more time to develop it. But yeah. I think that he is a. <laughs> but I think he's he is he did he's, have a grasp of the subject he's, matter. He's fucking smart. In your right, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. And this and this and the, and the the nuances of that are found within this within this film reflect this and like like let's be frank once again like there's a fucking british tv show made in the 80s that is fucking great based on this source <laughs> as well um okay yeah keep going yeah sorry oh yeah uh anyway so now they know where the safe house is because Esther house gave the address so they set that up they set a trap with they ricky tar set a trap with ricky tar they send him to paris he sends out another flash Boom, I'm back. I know about the shit. Fuck with me. Fuck around and find out. Safety. <laughs> yeah. Of the circus. Mm-hmm. Information vital to the safeguarding of the, the circus. circus. Yeah, 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 I believe that's what it is. And then he sends back a thing. And I just love... It's, it's not even like... Pot, it's not even a potent line. It's just it's a great line. Mm-hmm. Send further information. Ah! That's it, Percy. You keep stalling. I warn you, Ben, we've got some really lousy people in this outfit. I wouldn't trust a fucking one of them. It's not, like, laden with meaning. It's just, uh-huh. like, a great fucking little scene <laughs> of fucking Tom Hardy being smug, which I can always use. Well, and yeah, absolutely, but also, like, like Tar striking one back against the people that also Black had, or, you know, like, villainized Prudhoe. In his, in you know, in in very reasonably giving up the goods under torture, right? Like, yeah, you know, the the yeah, I think that's to well, me. Well, Jim and more. Ricky are the same person. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They both do what they're told, and and sometimes the the result, the resulting like uh, fucking situations are real shitty from them. Well, yeah. it's it's not their call to make most yeah. of the time, and every once in a while, when it is their call to make, you get Ricky Tar rescuing arena which is responsible for this entire set of events like all all of the events of this movie are the result of ricky going off script very yeah. slightly yeah like because control wouldn't know about what was going on he would have retired at 85 with a <laughs> ceremony of some kind he would have been a cbe i don't know what that means he got a the gold is that a knighting yeah. a british a british uh, uh, o cb is like command of no it can't be command would he have owned a square foot of land in britain and one that have gotten him yeah he would have been buried in it excellent yeah. <laughs> just standing up just obe cbe what is it even like over there like these what? people it's insane <laughs> like get a, give oh. me a break british and it can't be emissary what the fuck does the e stand for um, excellence? Uh, Maybe it's excellence. I'd have to. Yeah. Anyway, Control didn't get any of that shit. And instead, um, Smiley pulls a gun out of a plastic bag, which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> While he's sitting in the safe house, waiting for Tar, waiting for the confab, right? Because the, right, like with Ricky Tar's message, the heavies would need to convene at the circus. And, and because it was, be, because. Smiley assumed Tar was genuine and a threat to Carla's plans that the mole would have to communicate to Carla that that Tar had reached out. Therefore, he would need to get his contact, which we've learned previously is in fact Polyakov. (laughs) And that is in fact... And 
How much of that do they say in the film? Not Ryan? a goddamn thing, you <laughs> fucking peasant. Figure it out. Pay attention next time when we're talking to you about they this. They literally, they don't explain any of that. Nope. Smiley almost doesn't speak mm-hmm. from, he, from like the beginning of this sequence mm-hmm. to him running into Bill Hayden. Who's the bad guy? Yes. We're, we're, we're told that Esther House is, in, in, you know, that, that he know that, that, that Smiley lies that he knows Esther House has been in contact with the source of witchcraft. But that witchcraft is, in fact, this has been in contact with everyone high up in the circus, right? That it is everyone's responsibility because, you know, witchcraft is this, you know, double, you know, triple agent, essentially, <laughs> right? That, like, you know, is 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 feeding the false information provided by the circus to witchcraft. And in, in exchange, witchcraft is gaining actual intelligence, which is false. And in return, the actual mole is providing genuine British intelligence to the Soviets, right? So essentially, the dynamic is shit for shit. But in fact, within the shit, there's gold, and the gold is yeah, only is flowing. Yeah, there is still a mole flo- like flowing <laughs> yes, the good the, information and the, out. And the gold is only flowing from Britain out. to the yeah. th- to Carla. Yeah, it's not. This it's process. not flowing in. And to add insult to injury. The British have no gold to provide. <laughs> yeah, like who gives a shit about British secrets at this yeah. point? All that's being provided <laughs> is whatever the British have available mm-hmm. because the whole point of witchcraft, even if, and this, this is the fucking juicy center of this, is mm-hmm. that Bill Hayden, unnecessary accessory to this. Yes. Because all witchcraft is trying to accomplish is to get a conduit to America, which has actual information (laughs) there's nothing the british can actually provide that makes witchcraft valuable all witchcraft has to do is seem like a conduit for russian intelligence Mm -hmm. so that britain can be like america from america and the mole can then provide that america to carla and then bill so bill hayden at the point at which he is caught which again my mom did not even Realize was a reveal. Yes, uh, brilliant film. Yes, um, you, oh. made, you made mom watch this. No, she watched it on her own. Yeah. she likes Colin Firth. Well, I she guess watches a lot of murder mysteries. I can. She see does how like British happen. things. Okay, I like from that standpoint. I understand why she watched it as a movie. I don't understand why she watched it because she would have never it together, understood it. Your mom's like, I didn't know. Who, I didn't know I'm who like, I love was. British guys yeah. and murder mysteries this that are British. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mysteries all the way down. But but it's amazing because Bill Hayden Bill Hayden didn't even do the thing he was supposed to do yet. He mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to matter until the Americans were in the yep. scene. Also, um, show not tell. Um, there's a scene where they have uh, Percy giving stuff to the Americans and the only reason you even know the scene happens on your third watch is because there's a <laughs> Flag. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> There's an American flag in the scene. Mm-hmm. If they hadn't put the, which I assume is a sop, because yeah. it's got to be. Because you should, if you were a real true Le Carre head, <laughs> you would only get this because of the accent. Yep. That would have been the true way to just edit that flag out, you mm-hmm. piece it together. But yep. that scene is literally 15 seconds. Yep. And it's just the the CIA guy is looking down at the things like, oh yeah, this is good. And he literally waves Percy away. Yep. 
and, and that's all. That's the only interaction <laughs> with the Americans. And it and it occurs once again these the, these spaces for thought, right? Like occur in these montages, and we're as a view. Like one of the things that makes this movie really great is that the way that movies begin oftentimes are meant as instructions for how we are meant to view the movie subsequently. And the, you know, the, 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 the dual track montage that occurs within the middle says, look, motherfucker, right? Like you need to pay attention to this, but also we are, if we're not directly talking to you, okay. Okay. If we're not directly <laughs> fucking talking to you. All right. You're going to have to piece together some visual shit and we're going to kind of like slice it in there. Right. Cause this is a mystery and we're going to go know, back yeah, and yeah. forth from time periods, from places. Exactly. People, and you know, we're not so. going to flatter you yeah. by pretending that like, like Sherlock, like, Oh, I'm like Sherlock. I send text messages and you know, like no fuckhead, Right. Like you're actually going to have to sit there and ponder and, observe and piece things together. Maybe, maybe like much like Smiley as he reviews and information multiple times, you might have to watch a movie twice in your life. You fucking plebeian. (laughs) But as you do that, you will, you will get better. And that's what this movie's about. And that's what's so, but, but when we are revealed that Bill Hayden is in fact the mole, like the movie doesn't celebrate this at all. In fact, (laughs) It's almost heartbreaking that Bill Hayden is, in fact, the fucking villain. Oh, I love that scene where he's shot between the eyes. And we're given a scene. All right, so we, we get a confrontation. All right, so the movie's like, <laughs> movie's like, all right, you fuck, you fuck. So right, fucking, we'll, like, we'll surreptitious and brutal. They we're, don't even talk in the scene no, where it happens. No, it's fucking amazing. No, it's but, just like... <laughs> well, okay. So no, they don't they don't talk in the shot and they don't talk in the scene where it's revealed. No. They wait until like four days later when he's in minimum security prison. He could absolutely just fucking grab his way out of that. Yeah. Like it, it's a fence with like some barbed on you could fuck you could Yeah, he's like in a military academy almost. We're giving yeah. Okay, so Viewer, listener, you're given a you're given a cleanup scene between Smiley and Hayden where they're like, you know, like I had to pick a side, George. It was an aesthetic choice as much as a moral one. The West has become so very ugly. Don't you think? One half of the time stamps of that scene are him just being like, a little house cleaning. You know, you, you pay this person some money, mm-hmm. tell this person I'm, you know, that I love her. Yeah. It's that just literally just random little polite things to do. Yes. Um, a little, little, little class solidarity maybe going on there as well. I might more add more than a little. Yeah, but but right, like they're so still like, not so different. You and I, and even <laughs> after you're, oh, this movie's so good. So, but the the, the third final uh, party scene that we've alluded to several times before this as well comes back in the final montage of the film, and we're given a beautiful uh, uh, serenade uh, as the movie ends in a montage and. To a French version of uh, oh, the, uh, yeah. I don't even know the real name of that song. Yeah, just, I was going to call it La Mer. Which is the French version. <laughs> yeah. um, but why does Predo kill Jim? Um, well, they were the inseparables. And anytime we see them in the past, they're always together. And I think there is an implied you know, relationship, an intimacy 
through that. And we could we could gussy it up by saying homosexual, but I think that there no, because there's already a fucking gay connection previously in the I film. Think, and I but uh, oh, Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch just the gay. Guy but it <laughs> but it is it is a brutal little scene because after the after the uh, what you oh, said. I'm not taking anything. Look, yeah, a platonic a relationship can be quite strong. Yes, I just don't think it's specifically homosexual. I I think that it, I think that the film does a good sir a, a a just service to allow it to be ambiguous. I will say sure. that. But regardless, we are led to believe that there's a there is a formidable deep connection between Bill and Jim Predo, mm-hmm. and and Bill had advanced through the ranks, and Jim was somehow left behind. I.e., no one in the fucking in the fucking Truth Orange Room ever gets asked to do anything outside of the Orange Truth Room, but. Jim was sent to Hungry for a reason, in the sense that like Bill had left him behind. They were inseparables, always together, you know. And sure, they loved each other, paternal or or, or sexual or homosexual. Doesn't matter in the end, regardless. Prito's f- still on his own. He's been through a lot since then. Exactly. Yeah. What Prito had been through, did he he and the betrayal he yeah. felt by Hayden. By Bring, Hayden doing this, yeah, because it's not like he could just come back in after all that. Well, but once I think, I think too, right? Like once again, this idea of of honesty and truth. I think the ultimate betrayal is that the inseparableness was that they that maybe they were the only two they felt they could be honest with, and the true betrayal was that Bill lied to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were we were never supposed to be the ones who were to lie to each other. That's why we were inseparable. That's why we had the bond, and uh, and. I I'm I love the ambiguity ambiguity within that because regardless of whether it was like you said like like paternal brotherly homosexual regardless I think the the element of betrayal of true betrayal regardless of the import or or specifics of the relationship is is immaterial and that's the ultimate I think I think the the beauty of his execution and his uh, uh, the fact that he felt he he had to be the one to do this, and mm-hmm. that, he, that 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 mm-hmm. it and it's it's gore, it's it's a beautiful scene. It's I really do like is. that scene. It's also possible, given uh, this is one of those weird things that isn't logical. It's purely True. emotional. Yeah. Um. Where and, and the third act of the Christmas party suggests as much. Yes. That Jim knows that Bill is a traitor. Yes. And loves him in such a way that he wants to keep him from suffering the ignominy of being the yes, traitor. That's true. Um, and kills him because there was a um, <clears throat> they they mention at least tw- uh, at least twice um, that Jim warns Bill mm-hmm. about the mission in question, yeah. about the mission to find the mole. Because he was under, honest with him. Because the, he was honest with him. Under the assumption that he knew that Bill was the traitor. Yes. Mm. In some capacity. Um, so, I mean, I don't think that necessarily contradicts anything that you were talking about, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a function of, it's it's that they're, um, it's that his desire to see Bill not suffer, even if, because, I mean, to be fair, uh, Jim could have been shot and tortured with or without Bill's help. Like, like we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, as he Bill's, says, Bill's role in the plot hadn't really even occurred yet. No, we're we're only we're only informed subsequently of Bill's role with, like he says, um, about Frito. Oh damn it! I got him back, didn't I? Yes, yes, you did, and that was good of you. I'm surprised Carla didn't have him shot. Or do you think he held back? 
out of delicacy towards you. As if there was n- there was nothing personal about it. Like the thing, like it's it's fucking cool. <laughs> it's fucking cool because all, in a weird way, Jim's honesty to Bill is allowing him an outright. Because what is the mole's purpose, right? Like the mole must be honest to the to whom you are a mole to, right? Yeah. Like that's what's weird about this. And he's like, no, like I'll fucking tell you about this and I'll give you an out, right? Like you can you could almost you could almost sever. Your sever the fact that you're a traitor with the fact that you don't fucking tell Carla that this, that this is happening, right? Like, you you could you could sever that and and come back in, right? Like, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm honest with you, you could do the right thing with this honesty. And Bill didn't. And I it, like la- layers, baby, la- like an onion, like a fucking <laughs> onion. This, novel, this movie is. It's 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 so so well developed. And it's all for nothing. Yeah, no, ultimately, right? Like, because there is no real difference, right? Like, I... I, It's It culminates in the end after that. Do you have anything you want to say about that scene? No, I'm done. I've got some broader reference. The last scene of the film, while LaMere is still playing, shot through just below the eye, Smiley walks in to the circus... Walks past the um, <laughs> walks past the concierge. She's an old man with a mustache who appears in like eight scenes in the film. <laughs> we don't know. I don't think we ever figure out his name. Um, that guy's thrilled to see Smiley there. He walks past Peter, who has this like just can't suppress the smirk yep. that he gets from walking past. And the last scene of the film is this absolute fucking letdown of Smiley <laughs> walking into the orange padded truth zone mm-hmm. puts his hands folds them mm-hmm. sits in control's chair and looks around and tries to be thrilled about the fact that he now has to develop this new set of people up here does not look happy Mm-mm. looks <laughs> extremely put upon mm-hmm. by the thing the task that is in front of him and then it rolls credits. Mm-hmm. And just the anticlimax of that <laughs> is so delicious because just from wire to wire, um, Smiley was brought into this without his knowledge. Control assumed he was the bad guy at the beginning. He then gets pulled in from retire. Like, he can't fucking escape. And the, li- the lies that he's built the last, from World War II through to his current position, just... No rest. Yep. Nothing. The the lies will continue. Yep. He just cannot land on his feet. Even at the top, he's now literally the leader of the circus. He's the lead liar now. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's nothing for him. He walks past Percy. I mean, he if he was going to smirk at any point in this film. Mm-hmm. It would have been um, fucking Toby Jones in the rain. Yeah. Fucking just, just walking Smiley past. with the umbrella. Percy with no umbrella. <laughs> just why the most dejected looking little man. Yep. Nothing. Absolutely. No one wins. Nope. Nobody wins at the end of this movie. And those are the best movies. Yep. One movie we did not review... The Fog? Is that the name of the movie? The, the Mist? The, the Mist. The Mist. Oh. There we go. So the, the director of The Mist had to get permission from Stephen King to write a more dour ending to that film. Mm-hmm. And I am so glad 
that request was made because if anyone here is like I know everyone here has seen it but anyone yeah. listening apparently people were like upset at the ending of this movie and that's because they're cowards <laughs> <laughs> that movie has one of the best endings mm-hmm. I've ever seen because yep. the mist is nothing but an hour and a half of incompetent people sucking at dealing with a problem oh my god is there a lot of that and at the end <laughs> The quote-unquote hero. Well, that's yeah. the end. The, their fucking poor mistakes are just fucking. They didn't dire and irredeemable. to make it, and they don't, and that's awesome. Yes, I fucking love that. That move. The the utter. I, I so I saw that. There's been a few movies I've seen in the theater that have that have elicited emotional. Uh, uncontrollable emotional reactions from the audience. <laughs> oh God! And seeing the mist in the theater was like that. Was, is like, that played in the theater? I thought the, that was some sort of like TV I, movie. I saw that in Gainesville. It was Holy top three shit. movie. Ex- I was elated. It was. <laughs> it is a. It is a Wicker Man esque ending where I. I at the end of the Wicker Man. So I saw the Wicker Man in a, in a cult classics. You know, like 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 retro show. And um, at the theater I was at, they're like, how many people have seen this movie before? And I throw my hand up because I'm like, fuck yeah, like, let's watch The Wicker Man, the original 70s version. And I look back and I'm, there's like three people and we're all smiling to each other because we know. Because you know and they don't. Oh, baby. And, and especially come, what I, it's amazing because what I love about the original Wicker Man so much is just like the free sexuality of it. Mm-hmm. And I love how like Americans did a remake where they sucked all of the free sexuality yeah. out of the storyline. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, that was what was like so fucking fantastic about the first movie. And it like you 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 suck all the fucking life out of the movie and remake it. Like, no wonder why people fucking hate all of your remakes with female fucking Ghostbusters and shit. Like, (laughs) you can't identify the good parts of movies and embrace them. Instead, you have to just suck the air out of them and remake them and wonder why fucking people hate you. Well, and (laughs) this, this, no comment. Yeah, no. (laughs) Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy ends in a ends in a beautiful gray zone between the good guys and the bad guys. But in The Wicker Man and in The Fog, you really you really question, is the director on the side of the quote-unquote bad guys in the movie? And the answer is yes. Like, there is... There's a pessimism and a misanthropy to those films that, that we, as Americans, are just not fucking used to. No. But if you've seen I Stand Alone or anything like that, like... You realize that sometimes the Dude, good Americans go- haven't seen I Stand Alone. The good, the but sometimes <laughs> speaking of fucking child abuse, absolutely. But <laughs> once again, like, 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 but it is it is very much in the realm of American movies, where like to me, as someone who is not like you know like 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 that I think approaches thing from that that needs to be convinced of the morality of something before I just buy into it, before I just come into it wholesale. Um, you know, a lot of times heroes do terrible, horrible things within movies, and then they're like rewarded for it by the simple presentation of the story through the through cinema, and in the and in the mist, and in Wicker Man, like the movies, like you know, you fucking bitch, you need to like really look at what the supposed hero is doing here and think critically about why I'm going to fucking kill them for you, and. 
and like I said, in the Wicker Man, I get up, I'm like all smiles. I'm like, <laughs> like this is fucking great, right? And I stand up and turn around, and people are like, just appalled, like the like 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 they like they'd stepped in dog shit or something. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck did I just watch? And it's like, yes, now we're on the way to doing this, and. You know, like you know, when you mentioned that you'd that you'd seen uh, Clockwork Orange uh, in Britain oh, after it had been banned, yeah. it had and been you... banned in Britain for like thirty years, and I saw one of like the first showings in Britain, and like me and the American girl, like Are... fucking marched out of that thing, like skipping, singing, singing in the rain, uh-huh. and everyone was just like, <laughs> "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> because once again, right? Like, like the, 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 some, the there are no good guys in this movie, and when you when Boy, you're conf- are there. when you're confronted with that, and I think that Tinker Taylor it straddles this this line, and I, like I said, I think t- Tinker Taylor ends in the gray zone between good and bad, rather than coming on down on one side or the other. But you know, the 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 ambiguity that that takes and the aggressiveness of the ending of the mist is per- is particularly really great. <laughs> it's so good. God damn, so good. So few movies will punch you in I the face. I. This is a full spoiler zone. I will not spoil the end of the myth. <laughs> Watch it. It is so good. Watch it, you it coward. Is so good. But in in keeping with that, to pull this back to Tinker Taylor, um, who wins at the end of Tinker Taylor? It's unclear. I know Smiley <laughs> just has to go back to work. That's not a yeah, win. He's not retired. Yeah. Carla lost his mole. Uh, Ricky Tar might be able to make a, but he's ma- never getting Arena back, and he's never getting a full story on that. Yep, we never. It's he's incon- never going to get that part resolved. Gray. It's gray. It's when gray. are they going to realize that there is just as little value <laughs> on their side as there is on the other side? Mm-hmm. Never. Smiley. Never. <laughs> They're never going to realize Smiley that. Smiley knew. Smiley mm-hmm. understood that. He said it out loud, but he can't actually live it because mm-hmm. he's in it. Yep. He he's in too out. deep. Too, this is literally the fifth of nine Smiley books. Yep. So this is as deep as you could possibly be in it, too. Yeah. And, and you know, Le Carre and his genius, unfortunately, does, you know, Smiley does, you know, Win, I guess, but like, <laughs> but I refuse to accept. That, that he gets not, to keep his job, yeah, in whether mind, he wanted to or cinematically, not. Cinematically, it's not canon, so fuck <laughs> off. Like, I, I get to pick and choose, and I'm choosing the gray zone. I so hope they make the sequel to this. The sequel is announced a million years ago. Yeah, is well, it what in some sort of production hell or yeah, something? Yeah, it's, unli- it's yeah. Because while this movie made well, this movie made money, surprisingly enough, I think yeah. primarily through our viewing it, um, yeah. I did my part. Yeah, we right. did. Goddamn it, Starship Troopers. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, you know, but in the end, right? Like this, this is a tough movie for like, you know, normal people to get no, behind. No, I can see why this yeah. is a tough yeah. sell. If you're a fucking loser that watches television <laughs> or Marvel movies, I could see you not liking this yeah. or not understanding it. Yeah, yeah. And look, I don't understand it. I still enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very different. No, and I mean, look, on my 17th viewing, right? Like, I'm I'm, I'm almost there. I promise, I'm almost there. <laughs> and on I, that note, I'm getting cold. That's that's fair. It's like 40 degrees. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're, we're, we're social. We're social distance and significant other approved. So yes, we've got, yes, uh, yes. Our significant others would not approve us podcasting any other way. Yeah. yeah for all my word is worth, I can vouch for uh, Lou and Mandy that uh, this this was as responsibly recorded as possible. Um, but it is getting cold out here. Um, this is our longest podcast ever at three hours and 22 minutes. We're back, baby! We're back. 2021, <laughs> Biden inaugurated, let's go. Fucking back. Everything's already better. What can I say? <laughs> uh, Nicole, Ryan, thanks for being part of the Machination Log again. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. All right. Oh man, how do we begin? What? Enough stalling. Uh, let's <laughs> hit, rec- see. hit record. Okay, over here. Check, check. One, two, one, two. <coughs> We're talking. <coughs> talking. <Okay>. Talking. <sighs> don't have my e cig, so I don't have to cough into the microphone. Okay. Very good. Save it for later. <laughs> Loosen up. I over coughed. Now I might. My throat actually is. <laughs> yeah, I've itself. actually get coughed slight. my way into a cough. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Fuck. Okay. <sighs> <sighs> All, right, All right, guys, I'm, I'm nervous. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. Well, we don't have to publish it if it doesn't come out good. We're just, we're just here I n- to, to. I never do. We're just yeah. here for some discourse. All right, <clears throat> this close. We'll talk about it in okay. 14 seconds here. All right.